Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Beware the sirens. Welcome back to another spine-chilling surgical episode of Sirens of Horror. In this Women in Horror Month, I will be your mistress of evil, Ellie Vella, along with... Her sister of sin, Ashy Slashy. And the ever-so-spooky, M. Grimm. Also known as my pumpkin. I'm a pumpkin! <laughs> We, I, I believe I started calling M my pumpkin because when she gets tired enough, she goes from princess to pumpkin. Yep, it's true. She she really does. It's like a quick transformation. It's mm-hmm. like the moment midnight hits. <laughs> it's from like spooky, sinister, like nerdy princess, just pumpkin. <laughs> I am done. Take the pumpkin home. Just roll me home. Uh, so as I said, we are starting off February. Uh, this month we will both be celebrating Black History Month and mm-hmm. Women in Horror. And we're going to be starting off this uh, Women in Horror Month with American Mary by the Soska Sisters. And uh, before we, we get started, I kind of want to take a minute. Um, so about five years ago, I created a uh, web series called Once Upon a University. Uh, the, the first season of it. <laughs> I remember this. Uh, the first season of Once Upon a University, I was producer, director, actor, crafty, costume, makeup, and editor. Did you work on it or no? I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> it really got to the point when we were doing credits that I said, can we stop putting my name in? Because <laughs> I felt so uncomfortable. Uh, but that, that was the first season I got to go to LA Comic Con as a professional, which was a huge deal for me. Um, and, uh, going to the back area, I snuck into this little back area to actually have a cigarette. And I got to meet Jen and Sylvia Soska. And I immediately met them and immediately was like, oh, ah, the terror twins or the twisted twins. Like, I, I love you guys so much. And like, we got into this great hour long conversation and I told them like, Hey, I'm a producer. I'm a director. I'm a writer. I do this and do that. And they're like, okay, cool. And we were talking about horror and they're like, I believe it was Sylvia looked at me and said, okay, do it for horror. And, and it wasn't even, like, a question. Mm-hmm. It was just Sylvia told me to do it. And uh, it took me about three years, but uh, that that kind of... Uh, Inspired the podcast. Uh, the word from the goddess. <laughs> <laughs> Up on Mount L.A. Comic Con. <laughs> goddess spoke to me and told me to do what I do and produce and direct and edit horror um and it it really did stick with me for four years and uh four years later i approached uh ashy and mina and said uh i want to do a podcast that's not just female horror but is a aggressively feminist viewpoint uh it's not just where women discussing horror it's where women who are feminist fighting for equality and for our women to make it alive and to have good storylines. And we've discussed the good, the bad, and the 
grotesque black christmas remake <laughs> oh yeah because still that film just hurts me um not not the blumhouse one no that was great when we had ally on that was great i'm talking about the what 2007 one yeah oh. i believe it was made in 2007 it was bad yeah. uh but yeah so uh before we even get started on this podcast uh i really really need to say uh a massive personal thank you to the soska sisters uh, they have inspired me since the beginning of them doing, like, Dead Hooker in a Trunk and Women in Horror Month and their Blood Drive videos and, uh, the Tarantino Bastards, which is a great little short film they did. Um, they are, they are indie. They do not kneel down to any slimy producer. They have come through and made their own horror and made their own... Uh, style and voice heard, and I'm super excited to talk about American Mary tonight. But I need to get that <laughs> out of the way. I promise I will only gush about the Soska Sisters for like 90% of this podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> only 90? Okay. Only 90? I think there will be 10% I can talk about other things. <laughs> yeah. I think the guy that played Billy is super fucking hot. He for, is. For how uncomfortable that phrase is. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, I have a lot to talk about Billy. Because <laughs> I should not... Like, he, he's it's that guy. Eyes. It's the stupid eyes. Yeah. You're it's like, ah, like, oh, you run a strip club and you're terrible and you're horrible. And but you're yet. not. <laughs> and yet, though. Um, and yet, you kind of seem to be in love with this super powerful woman, which is kind of a turn-on for me. There's, like, a lot to unpack with him, and I, I'm really looking forward to talking about him, because, like, yeah, M. M Grimm's watching this going, okay, I have the weirdest lady boner right now. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, depth in a character <laughs> in a movie like this. Yeah. Okay, so let's, um... Dive into this. Uh, so I was watching an interview with them a few days ago, and Sylvia, who, uh, in in terms of uh, you and me, Ashy, mm-hmm. uh, you are Jen and I'm Sylvia. Okay. <laughs> really, Jen has been like quoted to like being the optimist, and Sylvia has been like, "No, I write scripts that seem like they're going to make you want to slit their wrists, and then like I give it to Jen to like make it seem like happy." So I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds like me yep, and Yeah, that's pretty much me and you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but Sylvia was talking about the fact that, like, uh, her father took her to a lot of uh, operas mm-hmm. when they were kids. And she's like, I almost consider this some kind of an opera. And I was like, it is kind of that, like, rise and fall of, like... You want to take that somewhere else, Daisy? You literally can hear the squeaking of my puppy. I'm just going to go with her squeaking means she approves. Yes. <laughs> it is the squeaking of puppy approval. Uh, but she, she was saying uh, it, it's almost that classical fallen hero mm-hmm. of it. And I was like, oh, fuck. It, it kind of is. A little bit. Oh, I kind of love this more now. <laughs> like the phrase of treating this as <laughs> like an epic opera of a character. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's definitely character development that you don't necessarily see in a lot of horror movies. You don't see the character themselves grow or change so much. Yeah. It's, it's more just, I'm happy, now I'm scared. And <laughs> <laughs> 80% of all slashers. Yeah. It's like, we're having a good time. 
maybe some sex, maybe some drugs. Now there's death. Okay, we're scared. Now there's death. So this also is just a Saturday night at Ellis House, basically. But this is this is interesting because you're seeing a lot of character development and the horror, mm-hmm. but it's a part of that development. Well, what's so interesting is so this film came out in 2012, um, where not, not a lot of good horror is being made. Uh, but if you look about 2015 to 16 to modern, mm-hmm. you have the Inceptions, you have the Conjurings, you have the Mamas, you have all this stuff where they really have more focused on this renaissance of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, like, uh, just the music for Insidious uh, deserves every accolade yeah. to, to yes. ever be given. But I find it so interesting that the Soska sisters in making a independent... Canadian feminist horror film were like four years ahead of the grade. Yeah. For yeah. for what horror would eventually become. I mean, you look at films uh, like The Rise of Paul Leslie Vernon. Mm-hmm. You have that massive, great character development, that massive, great lead in. Uh, but for a really long time, those kind of films like that were, were super underground. They were super indie. Yeah. Um, and you, you have a lot to to do with the Asian inspiring of horror films. And I know, like, Jen and Sylvia are, like, massive lovers mm-hmm. of, like, the Asian. And we uh, had a huge discussion about Asian horror films on our ghost episode. That hmm. I do not feel the need to go yeah. into that 45-minute long discussion uh, yeah. we had about that. <laughs> uh, but you look so much at, like, you can almost look at indie horror to know what's going to be popular in five years. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you look at this one, uh, and then you look at, like, Jennifer's Body. Mm-hmm. You, you, Jennifer's Body came out before that, though. Didn't Jennifer's Body come out in, like, 2007? It might have, actually. But Jennifer's Body is also a female-directed and female-run. Was, and Jennifer's mm-hmm. Body got shit. Like, this compared to Jennifer's Body, not only did Jennifer's Body get A, shit reviews, but... B, it also, like, the editor, like, everyone else who, like, looked at the script were like, well, we're not, it's not going to get anything, you know, it's not going to get any track. You need boobs and tits. You need boobs and tits. You need the girls making out. Yeah. You need, you know, you You need need something to, you need sex between the two girls to attract people to come see this movie. This film was so, uh, because it's an independent film and because of how powerful the Soska sisters are, uh, just in, in their views. Mm-hmm. You, you, I really, the thing I love about this film, and I go back and forth, because there are some, some issues with this film. Um, but, like, I go back and forth, but, like, the thing that keeps throwing me back to, like, how much I love this film is, this film is no pulls, punches, unadulterated what it wants to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. It makes no apologies. Uh, to, like, I, I will get, get into it more, like, from the, the stomach-churningly painful to watch, which are multiple scenes in this film. Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of the the bloody glorific... Like, and Ella a, and Athena mm-hmm. covered in blood riding yeah. towards battle. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. When you asked me, you are like, hey, you want to do American Mary? And I looked it up. I was like... Like, this is not generally what I usually go for in horror, in my own, you know, preferences. And yeah. when you guys asked me to watch this, it did kind of take me a little bit out of my comfort zone, which is a very strange thing to say about horror in general. But it 
I kind of had to like watch through this and be like, but I'm glad I did because I came out of it feeling a little bit more like that. That was satisfying. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like uh, it it has a lot of, in my opinion, pulls and uh, we we did the podcast uh, Gerald's game. Yeah, Mm. and I watched Gerald's game uh, with Josh. And uh, I, I had straight up take a break about halfway through the movie. It's only like an hour and a half movie, but I had to like straight up take a, like, a good 10 to yeah. 15 minute two chain smoking cigarettes. Like That's a movie I can't watch by myself. Break. No. Um, and when Ashy chose to watch it, I actually like explained the plot to her before she even watched it. Right. I kind of gave her a break by break by break. And then so you watched it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's not a... A pleasant movie, but uh, we won't discuss like when we did the podcast. By the end of Gerald's game, you you felt so powerful. You felt yeah. so as a woman. You felt so, uh, like th- this person's become can, part of my family. She's yeah. become my sister, my mother, my mentor, mm-hmm. and I can conquer anything. And I, I kind of feel that way about Mary. In mm-hmm. a way that, like, as you kind of get to go on Mary's journey, you become her sister, her friend. You become her in a little yeah. way. You do. And mm-hmm. so by the time you get to the end, even though Mary's ending is not as... Happy. A, uh, <laughs> alive. <coughs> Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, the main characters from Gerald's game, uh, you, you still feel powerful. You still, in my opinion, uh, feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Fuck it all. Mm-hmm. You still come away with that feeling, and I think that is something that horror poignantly gives to women. Yeah, yeah. That no other genre, uh, comedy, oh, you're going to find your best friend, you're going to find love, drama, your life will be dramatic. But uh, (laughs) horror... So to speak. (laughs) Horror singularly gives women, like, specifically women, an outlet, a voice, and a feeling of power that still like in 2020 Mm -hmm. we are still struggling with to be uh respected to be acknowledged about rape sexual harassment our own issues our bodies are still not felt like they're our own they're under a male's control Mm -hmm. there's so much in this that you feel like in the movie you get that power back yeah yeah well we kind of mentioned this um when we were watching Royal Rumble a couple days ago. Yes. That one of the, uh, who was the wrestler that, like, tweeted women uh, asked to be raped by what they're wearing? Oh, that was uh, Brock. What's his name? No, uh, he, he didn't tweet it. It was uh, uh, this big cast, and I am Enzo Amore. Mm-hmm. He, he is no longer with the company. Oh, okay. He was fired. Ugh. Wow, gee, wonder why. Mm. Yeah, uh, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff even in that, and like thankfully uh, the WWE's gotten a lot better. Yeah, you looked at the outfits. Like yeah. most of the women, the Ghiblies ain't coming out. Well, yeah. yes, <laughs> but you look in late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, you bounce too hard. Something's flying. Yeah, yeah. Well, but like like I was saying, like you know, somebody like said something in social media. Yeah. That, like, well, the way women dress nowadays, they're totally, they're, asking, they're for asking for it. And it's like, no, because 
women don't get, you know, like, yes, women who are walking home from the club by themselves do get raped, but also women get raped in their fucking pajamas. Oh, yeah. It doesn't like, matter. Like, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Women are, women all, you know, they're always going to get, well, not always going to get raped, but, like, it's, we're not asking for it I, by I, what I, we're wearing. I think yes. that a great thing, uh, just because this kind of came up in my timeline, uh, when I did the first Women's March, mm-hmm. uh, I would say I probably saw about two dozen uh, people with signs that this is what I was raped in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was everything from, like, club attire to, like, sweatpants and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And these women were really out there at the first Women's March, put back on the clothing they were raped in. To say, like, this is what I was raped in. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It, I mean, the clothing and things like that, that's just a scapegoat. That's literally, it's just people trying to find excuses. So I have a question here. Hmm. We are three human beings. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we've all seen women and men in a lot of little clothing, but I have a question. I can raise my hand and probably say, I've never raped anybody. I've <gasps> never raped anybody. Yeah, I've never raped so anybody either. Instead, I'm just going to go with this idea of, uh, instead of saying, don't do this to be, like, raped, uh, I'm just going to hold my hand up and say, hi, I'm a bisexual horny woman, and I've never raped anybody, so maybe if we just teach people not to rape. Yeah? Yeah. That's a th- I, I know it's crazy. I know <laughs> it's crazy. It's called but, consent. <laughs> but maybe... Instead of teaching it's women, so progressive, I can't get behind this. These two hundred fifty-five seven steps to not be raped. Uh, pretty much, you need to wear bomb suit armor and have Wolverine claws out at all times, and you are seventy percent not going to get raped. No, I mean, or what they, <laughs> or we can teach men not to rape people. It's one rule. Yeah, it's one rule. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's really easy. Just remember this. I will not rape today. If if you feel the urge to rape, call a friend. <laughs> <laughs> or go in a corner and jack off. Have you raped today? No. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and think. Just have signs. Do I want to rape somebody? If you do, talk to the bartender. Call a friend. Get a cab home. Seek psychological help. I mean... <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I know this is crazy, guys. Tying that into the movie that you know we're talking about, the all the effort and expense that these weird surgeons go into to rape to rape these unsuspecting women, it almost seems like. Don't you have anything better to do? Don't you have Netflix? <laughs> yeah. Like, watch a show. Go you know outside. What? If you want to rape somebody, I'm going to pay for a year's supply of PlayStation now. Exactly. <laughs> like, just don't. It's so much. It's. Dude, I mean, all of, Uncharted 1 through 4 is on there. That's your year. <laughs> mm-hmm. The thing is, you know, it, it is. It definitely plays into this society's notion of male power. Yeah. And that. Well, also the male uncontrolled. Yes. It's like, oh, well, they need to because men, they have these urges. Did it? No. Men are human beings, just like women. Men can control their urges. It's almost just as insulting to men to say that they can't control themselves. I always feel like it's more insulting to men. Yeah. Like, in, mm-hmm. in a weird way. Uh, it's like, oh, you're monsters. You like, can't control yourself. To, to say yourselves. to a guy, like, you know. For a guy to use something like, well, I couldn't control it, like, I just did this. And I was like, do you poop your pants, too, in public? Yeah. Do, do, you, do you make pee-pee on the train? 
So, uh, now we've explained a lot of the uh, arcs. Story arc. Uh, main story film. arc of this film. Uh, um, let's... I did want to backtrack a little bit to, before we started talking about, like, the main theme of this film. I was going to break it down. Like, beginning, middle. Yeah. Surgery. But, um, I did have, you were talking about the, the glorious, glorious gore effects of this film. Oh, they're so good. Freaky fact. Ooh. Ooh, number one freaky fact. Mm-hmm. I actually have a few freaky facts. I know. Oh, what are they called? Uh, Ella... Ella information. Yeah. Uh, Ella's... Ella... Ooh. Ella's extravagant information. Ooh, I'm liking this one. I got a few yeah. extravagant pieces of information if she doesn't get to them first. Nice. <laughs> um, so, my freaky fact about all the glorious, glorious gore effects. All the special effects were done practically. Oh, fucking chorus they were because <laughs> I could love them any goddamn more. <laughs> so, all of that glorious, glorious blood. And I'm... we're gonna get into a lot of that blood. Yeah. Mm. I will say, watching the scene where she's got what's his face hanging. Oh yeah, that I was watching. Like, how did they do that? That is interesting. Pull back. Mm-hmm. Okay, and were they just prosthetics with the yeah. hooks? Yeah, got it. Uh, so actually, uh, a freaky fact started off before this, mm-hmm. or my uh, extravagant information. Uh, the actress who played Mary actually went to medical school. For three months before this film was done. Ah. To learn. Yep. And I have a freaky fact to tie on to that one. We, I'm liking this piggyback, you know. What fucking intelligence we got here. I'm having fun here. Um, so freaky fact on, uh, piggybacking on that. Going to our opening scene. Okay. Our lovely, you know, our lovely character, Mary, who's played by Catherine Isabel. Yeah. Whose haircut I I do not need, but deeply want. Yep. She worked it. Yeah, she did. I I miss that haircut. I've had that haircut before, and I love it. It's high maintenance, though. It is. It's very high maintenance. Um, Is seen suturing a turkey. She's practicing, you know, her... Yes, her sutures. Her her Mm -hmm. sutures, her cutting, her stitching, all of that jazz. She learned how to suture a turkey for her role. Nice. That's awesome and deeply uncomfortable because <laughs> I've had so many sutures in my life. I can't watch that with like. I I will admit like this is this is oddly enough, probably a weird Ella thing about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the most uncomfortable scene for me. The turkey? Huh. Uh, no, I've had my thumb sutured. I've had both of my arms sutured. I've had I think about four sutures in my head. Hey. I crack my skull open a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, watching that, though, I, it did make me kind of, like, once I realized it was Canadian, I was like, what a shame, because she would probably be very popular at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do have a Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't think they do mm-hmm. turkey. They probably do poutine. <laughs> <laughs> turkey poutine. I've had that. That sounds delicious. In like... Hollywood. <laughs> um. What? so i also like watching ella just went to her poutine happy place where i'm actually a fry and i'm just there's gravy and melting cheese (laughs) i actually have a bikini made of melted cheese but i can also grab chunks of my bikini and eat it this is a very strange visual (laughs) i need more beer 
Um, this is this is my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ella wants to be a fry in poutine, <laughs> wearing a cheese gravy bikini that she. But, but it's, it's like a weird early two thousands music video version of it. <laughs> it's all like I just keep imagining like what is it that that movie American American Beauty? Oh yeah, instead it's poutine instead of flowers. <laughs> Sexual fantasies to do with Canada. That's what happens when you let M. Grimm on the show. Talking about food, <laughs> chefs take over. <laughs> yep. Um. So I was gonna say, watching. So like for me, watching that scene, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like she's yeah. learning how to like you suture. know suture on a turkey. That's cool. Her little smile at the very end when she's completely sutured the entire turkey. I was just like, oh, she's so proud of herself. How cute. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. yeah. But no, like her like her just her little smile was just so adorable. I was I like did it. Uh well, I know a weird fact. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't do that precisely. She should have done it on a pig. Yes, but Yeah, because they're it's closer to, to Turkeys are flesh. probably cheaper and easier to find. Valid. Valid. <laughs> I just know uh pigs mostly because I've had a few friends that have been tattoo apprentices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they use pigs. Oh yeah. Which is very weird to walk into somebody's like house and like grab a beer and there's just like a pig leg oh pig skin is extremely thick i know because i had to make my own bacon one time oh yeah culinary school yeah yeah good times very good times especially even when you don't think you're gonna be handling meat because you join for pastry and they're like make a quiche here you go there's a slab of pig thanks Uh, so uh we start the film with uh meeting mary and uh, a, a thing that I like about Mary, and uh, I'm going to make a weird analogy to Mary, is Mary reminds me a lot of Moana. Okay. <laughs> We're giving her very weird looks right now. Okay, the, the thing I really loved about the movie Moana and the main character Moana is Moana is a strong woman from the beginning to the end. Okay. She simply learns to harness her strength. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the reason I fucking love Moana. It's actually, uh, there's, if you listen to the CD, there's a deep cut of the original song, which mm-hmm. is called More. Yes. That is, like, my jam out. I fucking love that song, because it's all about, like, I want more about my life. But I don't know the idea of, of kind of comparing Moana to American Mary, of the idea you have a strong woman from beginning to end. Mary is never weak. No. Yeah. And I, I'm going to kind of compare that to Moana of even in the beginning of Moana, she's still strong. The thing I will say about Mary that I get from the beginning is that she doubts herself a lot. There's, there's just sort of, she questions a bit, and that, like, the way that her professor speaks to her, like, it is kind of like, okay, well, you're the authority figure, I'll let you speak to me like this. Oh, don't fuck up, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's it's less of uh, doubting yourself and more like kind of kneeling to the system. Because mm. yeah. I, I don't think she, she ever doubts herself or her skills. I think she's aware what she has to do. And I think that's what makes the, her turn so powerful. Mm-hmm. Is I think she, she sits there and when he is being a dick to her, she's aware he's being a dick and he shouldn't be. But she kind of does the smile and nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of like, uh-huh. Uh, but I think it's, sh- she is allowing them. Right. She's like, yeah, okay, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna treat me like shit right now, but I'm eventually gonna be fucking better than you. 
So basically what women deal with every goddamn yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Well, because even if you look at the conversations that the professors have with her, uh, they're, they're pretty much mansplaining. Oh, God, yes. They're mm-hmm. mansplaining even somebody, like, I, I have a good amount of, like, medical knowledge, and that is just because my mom's been in the medical field, like, my entire life, and I'll admit, I found out most of uh, sex ed via medical textbooks would not, like, recommend. <laughs> medical drawings of, uh, sexual organs are, um... Interesting. Terrifying would be my word. I mean, I took human sexuality. I remember seeing some of the medical drawings. I was like seven. That. Oh. <laughs> you know what? It's, I would rather do that than how I saw a naked person for the first time. I was six years old and I walked in on my parents watching the piano. First vision of a naked man was Harvey Keitel. <gasps> how am I not a lesbian? Good God. <laughs> I did see Lord of the G-String when I was like 13. Like, that <laughs> might have made me buy. <laughs> that might have made me buy. <laughs> Because they were just elven, naked, prancing. I now want to see this porn. Yeah, what? Okay, it's, 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 A, it's softcore. Here's some homework for us. It's, it's, <laughs> it's softcore lesbian Lord of the Rings. Okay. I'm so down for this. Also, I mean, as, a, as another bisexual woman on the podcast, I am so down for this. There is a film that I just found, uh-huh. and I will soon have in my physical possession, because we're talking about porn. Uh, it is... Okay, first of all, I have a lot of facts about this film mm-hmm. that I should not have. Oh. So we're going di- to digress off of American Mary, and this is uh, Ella's five-minute porn review. We're going to have this right now. The, it is the, called... The train has derailed. <laughs> it is called Alice in Wonderland, the musical. That's I think a, you told me about okay, this. But that's a really misleading title. No, I think I know what you're talking so about. It I feel is, like you told me about it. It is a Alice in Wonderland pornographic musical with songs that are actually really, really, really catchy and good okay. and well choreographed. And the main plot of the porn movie uh-huh. is Alice, who is a shy librarian goes to Wonderland and learns to embrace her sexuality and learn to not accept what society tells her her sexuality should be based upon. Can I borrow this? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Also, odd thing about this film, uh, it was made for $2,000 and it grossed $999,000 at the box offices. Ooh. Wait, box, box offices. I'm like, wait, are there still like you know? There were peep theaters out there. Like, what? well, that that was the odd thing is it was seen as a because it's softcore. Uh huh. It was seen as an adult musical comedy. Uh-huh. So a it's a porn musical comedy with a great like story lesson about women's sexuality. Okay. Hmm. Alrighty. All right. And now we are driving the train back onto the track. To talk about American, American Mary. Mary. Uh, so, for me, I, I don't ever get that she's weaker. It's she's placating them. Got it. Mm-hmm. She's like, yes, okay, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Uh, because I, I think the big thing about her going to the, the strip club, it, it's, it's, she's never 
in, in that moment where she's, like, looking at the strip club and, like, putting on... Well, she's, she, at she, first she's, because she realizes that she's, like, I need I have money. to I pay bills. I, I have to yeah. pay bills. And she's talking to her nana. Yeah. And she's looking at, like, the equi- the Canadian equivalent to Craigslist. Yeah. I think it's just Craigslist still. By the way, who but it didn't. Nana? It was like, I, well, I yeah, you Nana. can't say yeah. Craigslist. So yeah, it was like basically Craigslist. Yeah, I was gonna say. By the way, like I love Nana. I Nana know. was so supportive. Nana, Nana yeah. was so sweet. I wish we could have seen Nana and all of her like Budapest stories. Oh, yes. I kind of imagine Nana. So Gallo's humor has a song that we call um, Babushka Yaga. Yeah. Yes, the Babushka Yaga. Uh, um, and it's based off of Baba Yaga. Yes, the Babushka. But. We call her, like, basically the entire song is us talking about Baba Yaga, but as if she was, like, our granny, and we want to learn her recipes, and, you like... You should say it's, it's Bubby Babushka Baba Yaga. Bubby Babushka, oh, yes. Bubby, Bubby Babushka Baba Yaga. Yeah. So, Bubby in, in Yiddish. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I, well, I call my sister's cat Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, um... Bubby Babushka Baba Yaga. <laughs> Bubby Babushka. I can't even say Bubby it. Babushka Yaga. No, Bubby Babushka Baba Yaga. Bubby Babushka Bubba Yaga. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so we talk about, like, how Baba Yaga is our bubby. <laughs> like is... how you tried not to say the whole <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, Baba Yaga is our bubby. <laughs> With a babushka. <laughs> or Bubby Babushka. And, um, like, that's kind of how I would imagine Nana to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she, she probably slit your throat with a silver knife. Mm-hmm. But she's watching her stories, too, and she mm-hmm. wants she to tell can't... people about them. But, yeah. you, but you also, I think, uh, it, it's an interesting fact that I feel like gets kind of left out before we go into, uh, before we go into the strip club. Uh, this was kind of a fact that, like, uh, watching it again, uh, you get the idea she's second generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wherever this film takes place, whether Canada or America, it happens in the Americas, uh, you, you have to have the example that both Canada and America are first world countries. Yeah. Healthcare exists. Yeah. Not going to put a price on it, but uh, it exists. But uh, in... Where is Budapest? Uh, Budapest is in Hungary. Hungary. Okay. But in Hungary, uh, where Budapest is, I believe... I just keep remembering, I keep hearing the Avengers line. This is just like Budapest. You remember Budapest, Budapest very, very differently. differently. No, it's, you and I remember Budapest very differently. I just always make the joke that I was like, I feel like that's me and Josh. Like. No, I still, like, I, I still to this day, so, Em and I used to do Disney Challenge oh, yeah, a while so back. Fun. And she was on my team once and we did Nerdy Avengers. The Avengers. Oh, yeah. The Avengers, yeah. Nerds, yeah. yeah. And I was Black Widow, and she was Hawkeye. And we have this great picture, because we, we gave her, like, one of the, you know those, like, bow and arrows with the plungers? Oh, God, like, what was he in a night cent store? Yeah. So we gave her one of those, and we have this great picture of her, like, she shot the plunger at me, and it literally stuck to my glasses. And she's just like, ah! I did the thing, and I'm literally just, like, just laughing grumpy cat, like, what oh. the fuck did you do? So I imagine, like, this is what happened in Budapest. Yes, that's what happened in Budapest. Yep. Uh, but you do get the idea, so uh, a Mary is, whether or not you want to go with the fact that some takes place in Canada, which it filming-wise did, or if you want to take the fact that it's American, and also when people are like, oh, it's not America, so it's American Mary, which can mean just mm-hmm. North America's. Don't be such fucking sticklers for grammar bitches. Uh, 
Or at least don't if you ever want to, like, get a text from me. <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, but, so you get, okay, first of all, she's, she's second generation American. Whether Canada or America. Yeah. Uh, and you get the idea that, like, coming from Budapest, like, yes, I know it was so hard there. Yes, I know you did. So, uh, you, you can take the idea that, like, uh, Grandma probably came over. Maybe Mom was also born in Budapest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's first to second generation. She speaks the language. Yeah, so you, you can either go with the idea that Mom brought over both of them, or Mom was brought over as, like, what but was raised in a very, mm-hmm. like, Hungarian area. Because you still get that in places, like, here you mm-hmm. get, like, super Orthodox Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you get people from the Millers. You get huge Thai populations that are still raised, like, at very young ages to simply speak Thai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they know when they get older they're going to immediately get influenced to English. They want to make sure they're native tongue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a great thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so... She's first or second generation, most likely first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, like, getting her MD, which you, you you would think is odd, but you get more, I feel like, first generation Americans going for, like, MDs, lawyers, mm-hmm. like, passing the bar, because they are really aware of what, they have that drive that, like, it's where they've come, mm-hmm. and they want to do it. They've for... come. They've come to here for a reason. Where exactly. like, yeah, we grew up in L.A. Okay, cool. We all have degrees in different things. We're all mm-hmm. going for this, but like, none of us ever had a fear of living on the streets. Yeah. yeah, none of us ever had a fear of a man with a gun coming into our house and taking over our village. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all grew up in Los Angeles. We all grew up feeling very safe yes there's crime out here but we are we have never experienced a war zone yeah Yeah. so you get this uh feeling that mary mary is here for a purpose and also while you don't get any conversation with her mother you get the idea that she has been told her entire life like you are capable of everything you want of everything you need Mm -hmm. like she comes from a well-supportive female group yeah yeah the simple fact that like she checks in on nana mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. obviously shows like they have a really close relationship the, the thing fact- is i realize you don't hear from her parents at all no i think nana is the only one in her life right now mm-hmm. so it might be mom and dad were fuck offs or mom and dad died yeah yeah and maybe mom and dad died from a sickness, which is why she could have been yeah, goes you, into you, you medical. Can, you can yeah. go into a lot of stuff like yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much that you could think about with her backstory, but the mere fact that her her one support is her nana, who wants nothing but good good for, for her. her. Yeah. But also, I feel like uh, the when she's like, well, I might find a job that's not so great, and her nana is like, you do what you need to do to get through to it. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's something you don't get a lot. And, like, more uh, American-centered ideas of, like, to them, like, oh, like, being a stripper is, like, a, you know, you're as no long longer as you don't my end up daughter. As a stripper. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's a, uh, 
Like, becoming a stripper is a disownable offense. Yeah. Where for her Nana, she's like, oh, you gotta take off your clothes in front of men, have them grab you, make a little bit of money, become a doctor. Okay. As long yeah. as you're not sleeping with everybody. Yeah. yeah. Although, Grin- or oh. even if you're sleeping with them, make sure the dollar tag is good. <laughs> Get the money up front. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and granted, both of you guys know my mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are we going with this? Back when I, like, when, we were, when I was living with her in uh, Pasadena, she made it as kind of, like, as a joke, but also was kind of, like, somewhat serious, I think. She goes, well, because I was looking for, like, restaurant jobs, and she's like, well, you'd all, you, you could always work for Hooters, you'd make a good lot of money. Oh, my mother said the same thing. <laughs> and I was just like, mom, no thank you. <laughs> My mother literally was, like, by 15, because I was already a double D by that point, she was just like, you know, you get a job at Hooters. I was like, Mom, why? That's my my mom, uh, when I got older and in high school, I don't know why she would have thought in high school, I was, I did dance professionally. Mm-hmm. I, I guess at, at a certain point, my we mom thought I danced uh, professionally. <laughs> Like, my mom was like, well, you worked at a strip club. I'm like, yeah, I did. And here's the issue, is I did work at a strip club as a bartender. Mm. I bartended a strip club because, like, I pretty much got to do everything except take off my clothes. Like, I wore really skimpy outfits and made, like, martinis and this. But I was behind the bar, so I was, like, also had my little, like, alcove of safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, I did it at the Red Curtain. Mm-hmm. In LA, which is more burlesque Right. So, like, we had, like, a nicer style of clientele. We actually had, like, shows. Yeah. Uh, that would go on. Like, you, because you still had, like, the pole dancer girls, mm-hmm. but it was less, like, uh... Well, burlesque is a little more, I guess, I dare I say it, classy. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit more, I think burlesque, is, for me, is always so much more, like, risque and, like... I think it's a lot more artistic as well. It is. Yeah, it's very artistic. And that's yeah. kind of like, I, like, I, I, for me, I wouldn't want to go to a strip club. I would love to go to, like, a burlesque show. I once made $150 taking off my top. Not my bra. Just your top. Just my top. I took off a top and a light-up white wedding crown. Yep. Okay. Yep. While dancing the Living Dead Girl on the way to get married. Albuquerque. Okay, okay. Albuquerque is a weird well, place. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I've she heard. put like for like she no, you made more, like you made more than one hundred and fifty. I think I made like two hundred. Yeah, and one dance to Living Dead Girl, where I literally took off this little like light up because we were in Albuquerque on a Wednesday. Yeah, there's Ashley. nothing to do in Albuquerque, and we found a strip club, and Ashy was like, "I've never actually been in a strip club," and I was like, "Okay, we are going." And it somehow turned into, like, her talking to, like, the DJ and her being like, you're going to go up there and dance. No, mm-hmm. that was Voldemort. Somebody else. Yeah. Idea. It was a different person's It was idea Voldemort's idea. Yes. And, uh, so I ended up, I, I, I ended up doing it. I did to Living Dead Girl. hmm But, uh, I was also about to get married. <laughs> So, uh, I took, I like, this little light-up, like, white flower crown that we had tied some tool to, and mm-hmm. I had, like, a tank top on. Yeah. And I put on my pair of pumps, cracked up my shorts to be little Daisy Dukes, and, uh, put the girls in place, and rocked it out to Living Dead Girl, and, uh, like, had, like, armfuls of money. 
Nice. The guy also did, did say, like, this is her last week as a single woman. Yeah. So, I will admit, also, I'm just saying, like, if you guys want to just, like, go across the country and make a shit ton of money, invest in one really shitty bride shirt, take two of your girlfriends, and just in every single city you go to, go to some random fucking strip club and say you're getting married that weekend. Don't give the secret away, though. Dude, you gotta make so much bank. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think you paid for the rest of, like, our the trip. The rest I paid of the trip. For- I paid, I paid Mine, for like, the rest food, of the like trip. Like, food and drinks for the trip. I paid for the food. I paid for the drinks. I bought, like, three of the very, very, very nice, lovely strippers. Like, I gave them each, like, 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. They helped me, like, gather my money. And, like, Aww. we're super great. And all the strippers there were super nice. And they were like, congratulations, hon. Like, I wish the best for you. Gave me, like, really fun advice. Like, one girl was like, if you want to keep your house, husband happy, blow him once a week. He'll never ask for anything else. And I was kind of like, I actually can't disagree with that advice. <laughs> no, that's good advice. That actually seems like very solid advice. Yeah. Plus, it takes me, like, what, five minutes? And it's a very little workout mm-hmm. for me. Oh, yeah, no. It's, Men it's are easy. easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, the train gone. has derailed again. <laughs> This I don't know how we've gotten to such... Well, I, it makes sense. We've gotten to hypersexualized conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I feel like this film allows you to have these hypersexualized conversations. It does. So. Yeah. You know, I will say, watching the movie, there were a lot of times I had to sit there and be like, okay, this was made by two women, but there is so much of the male gaze here. But at the same time... It's not. Well, okay, yeah, I have a question for you. Is it you seeing women being... Let's <laughs> see. And I'm going to I'm actually going to have a cigarette real quick, and then I'm going to come try to speed it up. Yeah. Uh, my question for you is, is it seeing women in sexual situations is concerned to be the male gaze? Or is it just women can be in sexual situations without it being a male-centric? Or is it just because that's how often it is in horror? Uh, the, the latter. How often it is in horror. It was an initial thought of just like, oh, this is such a male gaze thing. But the more you watch it, you realize, no, actually, this isn't. Because these women are in control. Even when... When Mary is giving the stupid fucking massage to Billy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's still kind of in control. She's standing, he's sitting, she could get out of there. Well, you, you brought this up uh, late uh, before we started the podcast. Uh, the idea, the, the black pups. Mm. And you brought up like, oh, this is, this is completely unsafe. Well, uh, I, I mean... <laughs> I'm not going to walk into a walk-in freezer or a meat locker with like five inch heels. That's, that's legit. Uh, but the the black heels, the black vinyl five inch, two inch pumps that she fucking rocked. By the way, oh yes, they're. But if you look at them, they're dominatrix heels. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I I think her wearing this set of really strong footwear, like I know for me, like I love my combat boots. They're great. I have so much fun in them. But I have my, like, knee-high, five-inch stiletto, click, 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 click heels. That, like, when I wear, I'm like, dude, you fuck with me, I'll take out your eye with this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a power thing in those shoes. I also think, so, her, the other quintessential staple to Mary's, like, outfit, 
mm-hmm. like her killing outfit, if you will, um, is the vinyl pumps and the leather apron. Yeah. Well, she doesn't get the leather apron until a little bit later. But, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like those are her. Those are her. her those are her. T- those, those are her are two good. staples. And also, if you look at it, it's 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 the red the the royal red lipstick mm-hmm. that's almost Betty Page esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost pin up, but like. A lot of times when you look at Betty Page, you think, like, oh, she's this pinup girl. And you realize Betty Page was the first person to be paid to be a dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, red lipstick on women has become almost a symbol of strength and power. Oh, yeah. It is a strength. It's also a symbol of, of, of uh, what's the word I'm thinking here? Confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, so many girls always say, like, Oh, I wish I could wear red lipstick, but I'm too scared. I, I'm going to go a neutral tone. I'm going to go a pink tone. I'm yeah. like, no. It's like, why are you scared of red lipstick? I was scared of red lipstick. Why? Why, honey? Do the wing eyeliner, the red lipstick, and you got the look there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, so many girls are afraid of red lipstick, and it's because our, like, in society, when a woman wears bright red lipstick, people look at her and go, oh, she's easy. Oh, she's a whore. Mm-hmm. She's oh, a yeah. slut. And no, red lipstick is so, when you put that on and you look at yourself, you're like, shit, I look amazing. Mm-hmm. I had a, a pair of shoes in, in high school, and uh, if anyone knows where to find these shoes again, please send them to me, because I'm crying, I will still cry over the, of the loss of them. Um, I finished my burp. Mm-hmm. Grab another one. And that smells uh, real quick. Yeah, one year smoking oil. Uh, I had these, they were uh, four inch boots. So the, the heel was actually only an inch. They were three inch pumps, four inch boots that were lace up vinyl thigh high boots. Damn. And I fucking loved these boots because like I felt so powerful in them and people would be like you look like a whore you look like this you look like that and so i'm like no i look like every badass sci-fi and medieval mm-hmm. and superhero character i've ever fucking seen i'm wearing thigh-high black vinyl leather boots that i can run jump skip and kick your ass in yeah i love those shoes and i think there are certain things that on every woman like for me it'll always be like a black leather jacket and like red vinyl pumps. Mm-hmm. Not not black. I have a thing for the red vinyls. But like for me, that leather jacket, the short dress, and the pumps for me will always be like my killer outfit because it's like both that combination of like the leather, but the like this is my body and I'm comfortable with it. But like I'll still kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Mary gets out of that outfit. Mm-hmm. The fact that she can work those pumps does does help, because I have a pair of shoes exactly like that, and I had to run through the MGM in Vegas in those, and I was like a newborn gazelle. Like my legs <laughs> didn't work. Honey, those aren't running shoes. <laughs> those are like sashaying shoes. You don't yeah. run in pumps like that. I had to. Ta- I was running. I had to take them off. My friend was like, "Why are you barefoot in MGM?" I'm like, "Fuck you!" And I just, <laughs> 
it was it was a hilarious sight to be seen. Okay. But anyway, so let's actually get into this. I think I think we've derailed enough for our lovely listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to get back off of our lovely sex conversation, so we're at the strip club. We're at the strip club. So yeah. she goes to audition, and while she's auditioning. You find out the strip club is both also a front for, uh, it's never particularly described whether it's drugs, money laundering, gang. Something illegal. Yeah. And somebody gets shot. Mm-hmm. And they bring her in and like, th- this lingerie outfit, and they sure up say, like, we'll pay you $5,000. Well, no. So granted, he, cause Billy, so Billy is the owner of the strip club. Who, when you meet, is such a fucking... He's a sleaze. Yeah, he's like a total sleazeball. Um, but so handsome sleazeball. I mean, he's good on the eyes. Yeah, definitely a handsome sleazeball. Twenty-one-year-old Ella is just like, hi. You look like every bad mistake I've ever made. Yeah, thirty-one-year-old M is like, god damn it, (laughs) he's hot. Yep. (laughs) Easy on the eyes, sleazeball. And how to describe Ella's type? Yep. <laughs> All of our types. Yeah, really pretty much. On. I mean, who doesn't fantasize about the easy on the ice sleeves ball? You at no, least, I, Ashie, you dated at least, like, half-decent men. I I dated half-decent men, but I fantasized of the sleeves balls. We all have. I dated the sleeves balls. Yeah. <laughs> I could fix them! Uh, that's another conversation. Let's get um, back to... But yeah, so he... He's like, well, why are you here? And she goes, I'm trying to get through med school. Yeah. So he knows she's a yeah. surgeon. She, he knows he's a doctor. He gets pulled away for something. Yeah. And, like, dur- this is, like, so during the massage, because, like, I'm winning, like, briefly talking bit. about that. Because yeah. he's talking, he's like, okay, well, give me a massage. And I think a big thing we need to discuss is Billy's idolization and attraction to Mary, mm-hmm. where at the beginning he has really no interest in her. No. He's just yeah. like, you're here, you're sexy, you're whatever. D- doesn't really care. But throughout, I feel like, the movie, the stronger he she gets in his eyes... The more he fantasizes about her, mo- the more he's attracted to her. And the more he obsesses yeah. yes. about this unconquerable woman. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will be a discussion for a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. But the uh, alpha male mentality of the uh, claiming of the alpha female. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she goes in and Lily ends up doing surgery on this guy. I know my notes I wrote down lingerie line for surgeons. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because she does surgery on this guy while still in her lingerie. And uh-huh. pumps. And yep. pumps. And the goddamn pumps. They start off with pumps, and they start off with this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she saves him. Yeah. She, she saves him and is safe and goes home and vomits. And it is sick to her stomach. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, she cries in the shower. She vomits later. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
She goes home and she turns on her shower. Doesn't even fully get into the shower. No, she's just, she just keeps like, touching yeah. the water. And she's yeah. kind of like at one point she Almost kind of half, like, she's like half in the shower yeah. and half out of the shower. Almost and she's like just she sobbing. feels like she's not worth washing. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's such a, a powerful also message of like uh, I, I can't think and like uh, I I'm going to go off my theory of your guys' experience. Every woman's been to a club, a bar, a party mm-hmm. where you were made to feel worthless and dirty and yes, yeah, something happened and literally the only remedy is like the shower. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. I just laid on my bedroom floor and cried. Yeah, but it, it's that, that feeling of, like, yeah. the bedroom, the bathroom. It's like I had this, to be in a safe space. It's that sanctuary, but yes. that, like, for me, I think the shower, like, has always been a place of, like, I, I've taken, like, five-hour showers. Mm-hmm. Of, like, well, I used to be a bartender. Mm, and a yeah. lot of shitty things happen to female bartenders. Oh, yeah, um, And it's just, like, I, I'm not even saying, like, I was always in the shower, but I think I love, like, rain so much that, like, it, it just, it's hearing water hit something. Yeah. That is somehow... Calming. Well, it's also, it's a sound and a, a physical sensation you can focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that you can be, like, the water is hitting the shower, my hand is in the water. Right. This is happening. Yeah. And you can focus on that very, very sensory feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, you know, you being on the floor, I'm sure you were, like, grabbing the carpet, like... I was, It's something you can hold on to. So, to... Just a quick little thing. What ended up happening... I'm not going to go into detail, because I'd rather not. But I was 16, and I had a big poster of Harry Potter. And I had the biggest crush on Daniel Radcliffe throughout (laughs) my entire adolescence. Valid. And... (laughs) I mean, he's a cutie. Yeah. And... Josh got to see him naked. Oh, don't tell me that. Atticus? Josh got to see Atticus. Ah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. He told me that too, and I was still like, is it good? (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a straight man, but just tell me it's good. And he's like, it's above satisfactory. And I'm like, it's all I need to know. Damn it. Anyway, so after... Putting it in the spank bank. I'm sitting in my bedroom, and I'm trying to go over what has happened and where I am as a person and what I just dealt with. Mm -hmm. And I kept looking up at my crush, Daniel Radcliffe, and I felt just a wave of shame and self-hatred and just, I can't even look at a guy I have a crush on who doesn't even know I exist. And it was just this absolute horrible feeling but it was, you know, I couldn't move with how horrible I felt. Well, I feel like that, that's something that uh, this film deals with really well is um, the I- internalized guilt. We, we've dealt with this a little bit on, like, in quite a few episodes of uh, the woman's mentality of I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, like, uh, can I get your number? I'm sorry I have a boyfriend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. I do this. It, it's how apologetic... You have to be as a woman for whatever a man wants. Just existing. Mm-hmm. You you have to apologize for this. It's funny because like I actually kind of when we had gone to Bar Sinister a couple weekends ago, Ella, 
And oh, he, yeah. Yeah, the first time you dealt with a, a lot of bad shit. Yeah, well, there was the guy on the dance floor, but there was also um, a guy upstairs who, when you were talking to the... Um, the bartender where I got... N- no, the, the bondage... Oh, the uh, the woman that was doing the bondage bar that I yeah. really did not like. Yeah, you were talking to the, the bondage show person. I don't know what yeah. they're called. The dominatrix. The dominatrix, thank you. Um, you were talking to the dominatrix, and I was sitting on the couch with uh, our friend Halls, yeah. our friend Holly, who's transitioning. And this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, is the seat taken? And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, but yeah, it actually is, by mm-hmm. my friend who's talking to the girl over there. Oh, Okay. He then sits down next to me. What? And he's like, so, you know, you're you're really pretty, and, like, can I, like, talk to you and uh, buy you a drink? And I'm like, I'm taken. And I show it, like, I flash him the wedding, wedding and engagement ring. And he was like, oh. And gets up and walks away. Well, yeah, it's this notion of, oh, she's owned by another man, so yeah. now I can't. Yeah. But, like, even by me saying, well, yeah, it's taken, she's right over there oh, I don't care. I'm going to sit next to you. And I'm just like, "Well, also, I just told you no. Like, Bitch, I just said. Yeah. We, and, and then we had another thing where there was a guy at the bar and I, I was super proud of you because you punched him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this was like down at the dance floor. We were like, the three of us were all dancing uh-huh. and we were dancing with like another group of girls who kind of like felt this guy looming on them. Like, we, we had to do like the girls swoop come in the set. Yeah, like all um, the girls were kind of together type God. of thing. And then he started honing in on, because he was like behind Ella and then she started doing the, like, I'm dancing, but I'm kind of, like, keeping my elbows out to, like... Yeah. If you come anywhere near me, I'm gonna elbow but, you. Like, the, this... Yeah, yeah this, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I should have looked at him and said, get the fuck away. Oof. At which point he was like, okay, so he kind of backed off, and we're like, okay, he's... So I thought he was gone. Yeah. And then he kind of did this whole, like, I'm going around the crowd... And I he... didn't see him at this point, because he got behind me. Uh-huh. And I, so I didn't see him, because he had already, from... My no, because, like, away. and I saw him, mm-hmm. he was behind you, and then I kind of gave him the look of, like, she's still, she's still got her elbows out, man, you're, like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you out, and I'm not even gonna mean it. Yeah. Walk. Yeah. Um, so then he, like, walked around us through kind of the crowd of people up behind me, and was like, you're really pretty. Oh, Jesus And I Christ. went, I literally took my elbow and just went, and, like. Hit him in the like, chest. Hit him like hard in the chest to the point Holy where he shit. fell down. Damn, you are awesome. I was just like, no, fucking ash vicious. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also that we also know this uh, one guy who uh, I, I kind of made eyes with across the, the floor. Really cute guy. He's wearing a leather jacket and everything. Oh, uh, this guy. I remember. Yeah. Uh, Sons I, of Anarchy. Uh, I have, I, I had no issue. This guy was cute, all this stuff. I go, like, to out to clubs. I like to get my little ego stroke. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I, I'm there with Ashy, and we're there with Holly, who, as we said, like, is our good friend. She's transitioning. Uh, she, and she's, this was, like, this was her first time out in public. Right. As, as a girl. As, as Holly, Holly. Yeah. yeah. And Holly, she's not gothic. She's, like, my sparkly evil cupcake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely a sparkly cupcake. Yeah, uh, and this guy literally would not talk to her. Oh, God. He wouldn't even acknowledge her. Wow. Like, we entered, because he was like, oh, what are your guys' names? And I'm like, oh, I'm Ella, this is Ash, and this is Holly. And he was like, oh, nice to meet you, Ella, nice to meet you, Ash. Wow. And legitimately, I, like, moved away from him. Yeah, no. Like, he was still trying to talk to me, and I was just like. Yeah, no, screw that guy. 
So you you have these things of as a woman being put in situations. And of course, like none of us have ever done surgery on a person. Uh, I, I had a really uh, not not so much traumatic, uh, but it, it I guess it was uh, when I was nineteen. We were driving around as one does, mm-hmm. um, and we were in Chatsworth. And we drove by, uh, it was like a closed down gas station. Mm-hmm. And we saw this group of guys, uh, trip kicking a guy in the middle of the street. Oh, jeez. And so I, I pull up my phone, dial 911. Or here, about two seconds into the phone call, uh, I hear gunshots. Oh, God. And I'm in, I'm in the car with uh, one of my good friends, and he stops, and I say, turn the fuck around. Mm-hmm. At this point, I've looked back and I've seen a car pull out. And he's like, no, you were on the phone. I literally looked at him and said, either you turn around or I'm jumping out of the car right fucking now. Make a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he turned the car around and we got out and there were two people lying on the ground. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys was bleeding from the back of his head. Mm-hmm. So my friend Julian, being the guy and trying to be protective, mm-hmm. went for that guy. And there was a guy in the corner... Um, and, uh, he, he was shot in the stomach twice. Oh, Jesus. And, like, I took off my jacket, I put it, like, above his head, like, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I straight up had a guy at 19 be like, tell my son I love him. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, like, but it, it was that kind of feeling, like, uh, both, both people survived. Uh, I testified in court against the people that did it to him. Mm, right. Well, thank goodness they lived. Uh, yeah, they, they both lived very, very happily. Uh, but it, it was a very scary thing. But I think there is uh, something to be said about Mary of the, the running towards the fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100%. 100% with of, uh I think there there's something where they, a lot of times they talk about uh, mothers run into flames. Mm-hmm. Or uh, this person runs into this one. Or this, this teenage girl went to save her little brother. And... Uh, This sounds super derogatory, but I think it's honestly, as women, we don't have a lot of self-worth in terms of society. Leading into that, I want to talk about Ruby and uh, Mary's first actual surgery Mm -hmm. that she performs. I was very impressed and surprised by that. Because it was sort of like, okay, it's just another plastic surgery. She wants it. But when she says, I don't want to be sexualized. Mm -hmm. Dolls are not sexualized. Dolls are pure. Mm -hmm. Dolls are pure. That's the turning point for Mary. That's when she goes, okay, I'll do this. Because it is, I'm giving this woman back her agency. And when she is, when you see her body and she's looking over it, there are bruises on her. Mm-hmm. And scars, and you know that she's been she's Be- been abused. abused, dude. Yeah, and so it is. It's this this woman who is already recognizing her own strength and knows her own strength is giving strength to another woman. Mm-hmm. But I think that 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 goes so much more into like we 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 as women run into the flames, we run into the fire not just because we. Our, our lives aren't as, I mean, let's, let's be frank, our lives aren't as valued as men's in a lot of respect. Yeah. But also, we value life. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And we value other people's. And then she, we'll get into that. So, uh, after Ruby does the surgery for uh, the club, uh, she's met by uh, literal Betty Boop. Yeah, like, her face literally, like, she, she's had body modifications to make herself look like, like Betty, Betty Boop. Boop. Yeah. And she discusses the fact that, like, uh, there's a group of us, and we, we pick how we look, and we don't feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like the, the idea of how Mary and the doctor, who eventually is the rapist, mm-hmm. uh, view her in meeting her. Yeah. Uh, I cannot remember her name at this moment. Beatrice? Beatrice. Yes, Beatrice. Because I wrote down, Beatrice looks weird. <laughs> yeah, I know, I wrote, like, Betty Boop looks weird. <laughs> uh, Beatrice. Uh, she, she has no, no issues. Yeah. Like, she, she's out in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 she, that's how she feels, that's how she feels confident. Like, I'm I, like, good for you. Yeah. But I think, I think that, that's such a, uh, I think without meeting Beatrice, I don't know if Mary would have gone the same path. Oh, probably not. No. Uh, uh, as we've discussed in, uh, a few scenes, she is sexually assaulted. But I think, uh, getting to meet somebody that is so confident in their genuineness. Mm-hmm. Because you find out Beatrice isn't even searching out, uh, Mary for herself. She's searching out Mary for a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Beatrice is then shown she's paying off the her her niece. She obviously has has money to burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's never in a like I deserve this or you should give this to me. She's like, you don't need to be a little cunt right now if you want to keep having it. Snow from Auntie, get it with me, girl. Mm-hmm. So she, Beatrice, I feel like, is the most feminist in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, also, uh, she, she recognizes that Mary has skills. And she's like, you can do this. I don't want anyone else. I'll pay you. Yeah. yeah. And it's never a question of, oh, but you don't have any medical, like, you know, degrees, or you're not an actual doctor. If you're blah, a woman, blah. you know what it feels like to be objectified. Mm-hmm. You're good at this. I trust you. Exactly. Yeah. And I want a woman no, to do this. It's not even a question. It's yeah. just, you can do this. Yeah. You're going to do it. Yeah. And like even and, and that that confidence that yeah. Beatrice has in cuz before this the only other surgery she's done has been traumatic. Yeah. And terrifying mm-hmm. and off kilter and it was it was uh, a man paid me while I was in lingerie to do surgery on another man. Yeah. And he was shot probably a guy from another guy and this mm. is this is all barely male power. Yeah. yeah. Granted after Ruby's surgery, that is when she vomits. Yeah. And, you know, that, I, I wasn't quite sure what. I would say that would probably be more like her expelling her her misgivings, I and guess. And her fear. And her mm-hmm. fear. Because I feel like by the time she does Ruby's surgery, so uh, Ruby, so you meet Beatrix, who looks like Betty, Betty Boop. Mm-hmm. She's very sweet. She's very kind. She's got the little nose, the little hair, the little boobs. Really pretty dresses. Mm-hmm. And you end up meeting Ruby. Who is pretty much Barbie. Yeah. Like, she wants to I, make I, herself look like Barbie. No, I, it's not even like Barbie. Barbie. It's, it's not even Barbie. It's, it's more doll. Because I would say Barbie in herself is a sexual object. If you look at, like, the hips to waist, to, like, breasts to waist, mm-hmm. uh, 
Ruby doesn't have that. She doesn't have that, like... The hourglass. The hourglass. Okay, yeah. But she has the big lips, the big eyes, the very, very perfectly face. Mm -hmm. She has ample bosoms, but she doesn't look physically fake. She looks... She looks like she's Galadriel's fucking sister. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And you find out that Ruby idolizes dolls for their purity. Yeah, they don't have genitalia. They don't have genitalia. They don't have nipples. They're not sexualized. They're not sexualized, yeah. Which I find so interesting, the idea of this this girl that you see in the first scene who has uh, baby pink lipstick, blue eyes, and blonde hair. And I think if they would have done it, because, like, I get I get what you're saying, Ashley, about the Barbie-esque look. But I feel like if they would have done it any other way, it, it wouldn't have had that impact. Yeah. Of, of realizing the fact that uh, uh, Barbie is also a veterinarian and a doctor and a teacher and a mm-hmm. oceanographer well, and an archaeologist. Ruby is a designer. She has her own business. Yeah. You can tell just from the get-go when they explain... She's a fashion designer with her own style. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She is an intelligent woman. And she does not want to be touched. Yeah. So she likes the idea of the aesthetic of how she looks. Uh, but I think the idea of... So I, I watched this film with uh, Stefan. And uh, we took a break way through the film after uh, the scenes coming up just because I was like I need to smoke yeah mm-hmm. I, I like I want to continue this film and I'm really liking it but like I also need to like breathe and he was like I'm just really like it, it, it's it's not a negative thing but just, uh, and it, it was very great of him to be like as a man can you please explain this to me and he was like, why would somebody want to look attractive but not be sexualized? And I was like, because the idea of sexualization and personal, like, beauty mm-hmm. are two different things, but they're never seen as two different things. Like, women are taught you feel attractive when men want you. Yeah. You are attractive when you have a hundred boys after you. And your two options for having boys after you are either to be Mary Lane or Mary Jane. Yeah. You're either the virgin or the slut. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how men want you. And those are your options. Well, it's like the conversation between Molly Ringwald and Ali Sheedy in in Mm -hmm. Breakfast Club. You're a slut or you're a prude. There's no way to win. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's even when, you know, there's a, there's a part of Tina Fey's book where she was at a conference and all the women were saying, when was the first time you realized you had become a woman? 90% of them were like, when men were honking or yelling at me from the street. Yeah. And I was 12. And I was 12. Or I was mm-hmm. 11. Or I was 14. It doesn't matter. You were a child and a man yelled at you and then you go, okay, I guess I'm a woman now. Yeah. But the idea that you're, you being a woman, and I thought, I thought it was very good of him to, uh, to check in of being like, this is not something I understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, give, give, like, give me more information about this. And I was like, 
uh, I, I don't think it's shown too much, like, on the Instagram and stuff like that, but, like, uh, you guys both know I love androgynous looks. Mm-hmm. Right. Me too. Um, I, I love wearing suits. I love wearing combat boots. I love wearing blazers. I love, uh, but I think almost a aspect of me enjoying the androgynous look is, uh, the kind of off turn I get with men. Because I notice a lot of times when I go out in more androgynous styles, I don't get hit on by men. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, you're an attractive woman, but you're wearing the same thing I am. Yeah. I cannot be attracted to you or I'm gay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're, so I feel like the, the androgynous look that, like, the reason I love it so much, and I mean, Ashy knows I've got a lovely collection of tailcoats <laughs> that I wear with, like, low-sung pants and a pair of combat boots and feel like a raging badass. Uh, but... I think there's something to be said about the difference of feeling perfect and mm-hmm. feeling attractive think, are two very different things. The thing that I keep visualizing when you as a woman want to look beautiful, but you don't want to be accessible is almost when you're at a museum and you see a beautiful work of art mm-hmm. And you don't want to touch it. You don't even think to touch it. Yeah. Because it's so beautiful. And you touching it would sully it. it is you a, want to feel like, like, like that. Like a beautiful rose. You want to be... You want, that, and you want yes. to be appreciated. For, you want like, you to, want be to be appreciated at. for your beauty. Not like, oh, I'm just... I'm an object of desire. Well, I also think there's a strong uh, differentiation between beauty and attractive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've had this conversation a lot uh, with people and like this is my own personal view you guys don't need to try and fight this on me this is not this mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't ever have considered myself beautiful I think I'm striking mm-hmm. and I think I'm very easily attractive because naturally I have black hair blue eyes and very pale skin I see the Hufflepuff in me I had to bite my lips be like you're beautiful stop <laughs> But but I think there there's something about the the uh, combination of like my hair and eyes and skin mm-hmm. um, that that feel like naturally sexualized. Yeah, yeah. Where like you know with you M, like you have long brown hair and you have big doe eyes and you have these cheeks. So for me, you can look both beautiful and pretty and sweet and kind, and you can look these array of things that I think just because of, like, my features, like, I have really high cheekbones, I have really narrow lips, I think there's something about, in American culture. The thing is, when it comes to my looks, I have have a very round face, and despite my age, I look innocent. I look young and from what, and I have asked male friends, I'm like, what is it about me? I want to know an actual Mm -hmm. like valid reason. What makes me attractive? And I have been told even without asking, Mm -hmm. I have had guy friends say, it's because you look so young. You look like innocent. You look innocent. You look basically malleable. 
Mm-hmm. You look like we can affect you and teach you and change you. And that in and of itself is a little chilling. It's yeah. a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah. But I no, and I've got like I have you, you some, yeah I have thing. similar features as yeah. our friend M yeah and I like I also get that kind of like oh I could I could teach you I could well you, you know you're, you're kind of like the you know Northern European Southern European of, yeah of the faces yeah yeah you guys have very similar faces it's just you have a darker complexion yeah but I mean even going back to American Mary she kind of has that look too of just mm-hmm. she looks innocent very doe-eyed she very young yeah it, it's, it's the it's, Betty bangs and, the, and bangs. the big eyes yeah she the she, way I was watching the film and I was like oh the blue eyes the red lipstick don't cut your bangs Ella <laughs> don't no I it's I had the same thing I was same. just like I want bangs again no I don't no I don't no, we don't want bangs bangs are such a goddamn bitch but uh, there, there's such such a something to say about the fact that, like, uh, while we all have these different looks, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. Around, I'm actually gonna start with Ashy. Okay. Because I think the the definitions will kind of surprise people. Okay. So not in terms of like lingerie, mm-hmm. but what is your attractive outfit that you you just feel powerful in? Like, when you're like, I, I, I not want to feel sexual, but I feel like, I feel like my best me. Can you come back to me? I have to think about that. <laughs> okay, I was actually just thinking about it. So, my outfit that I feel powerful in and beautiful in are, it's <laughs> high-waisted pants because I like wearing high-waisted pants. Maybe the soccer mom in me is coming out. <laughs> I don't know. But the high-waisted pants feel good with boots and a crop top. All right. And it's it's interesting Outfit because... you feel comfortable and powerful and, like, yeah. yourself in. I feel sexy in that outfit. And it's not even a, a sort of, like, have sex with me. It's more I look at myself and I'm like, damn, I'm sexy. Mm-hmm. And, right. yeah. Okay, so I'm kind of going to go with, like, a, like, it's, I, honestly, this style I've only just been starting to do, because, um, mine and Ella's friend, uh, mutual friend, uh, who also has a podcast, Liz. Uh, your fave is problematic, check them out. Yep. Um, has, you know, she wears, like, she'll wear the shorts, she'll wear the shorts, but with the black tights and the boots, and, like, she has the, you know, she'll wear the t-shirt that she cuts, like, the 80s style. Yeah, the off-shoulder. The off-the-shoulder style. And I've kind of recently been doing that a lot, like, when I'm not, when I don't have to go to work and be, like, look, teachery. <laughs> um, like, that, I would say that's probably one of the outfits that I feel very attractive in, is, like, the shorts with the black tights, the little, my little, like, high-heeled boots, and the scrunched-up socks at the bottom. Your boots were so cute. Oh, my <laughs> God, I can't get over how cute your boots were yesterday. So, um, I, I, and I have one more, because this was, like, before that, I'm sorry, um, is... I don't wear it anymore because I just I had to give the skirt away because it doesn't fit anymore. But I used to have this like big the nineteen fifties style, just the mm-hmm. like big flare black skirt, and I had like um like a sweetheart neckline top, like halter top, and like the vinyl leather pump. So like that dominatrix, but like nineteen fifties, just va va voom. <laughs> so what what I was kind of trying to make a point that I got proven to me <laughs> as I was trying to make this point. Is uh, both how Ashy and M have discussed the fact that they feel malleable, and they feel uh, their looks are very easily shown to be of innocence, 
And Blue Lucky does kind of feel powerful in strong women outfits. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is a powerful thing. Okay, so uh, this will shock everybody on the podcast, and it's probably going to shock them. Uh, I honestly find, like, my most, like, oh, I look, like, so cute. I look so sexy. Is in a pair of shorts and, like, my husband's hoodie. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's so, like, child-esque malleable of a look. But I think for me, I look in that outfit sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I ever look like. I think the bottom line is what you, when you look at yourself wearing this outfit and you go, I like how I look for me, not for anybody else. Not for my husband, not for the some random people on the street. Because I me, like how I look for me. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when I go out, I like, you know, uh, I like going out and looking like I can punch at anybody and kick everybody's ass. Because most times when I'm out, mm -hmm. I'm out with Ashy, I'm out with M, I'm out with Liz, I'm out with Mina, I'm out with these people where I feel a need to have a presence, of both personality and of style, mm -hmm. of like, do not fuck with the people I'm with. Yeah. And that's a very strong part of who I am. But, like, when I'm at home on, like, a Saturday morning, and I got my little, like, shorts on, and I got my, like, giant oversized Star Wars hoodie on, and my hair is all messy, I'm like, ooh, ah, ugh, mm, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I get the most compliments of how cute I look when I am dressed like a bag lady. <gasps> Same. Yeah. It's weird. Connor will I think come it's because you're comfy. Yeah, Connor mm -hmm. will come home, he'll look at me, he'll be like, you look so cute. And I'm like, I haven't washed my hair in three days. Yeah. <laughs> or like, like, yeah, same, like, like I'll like, be sitting on the couch, and I'll be wearing, like, my short shorts, my zip-up hoodie, my zip-up boy forward hoodie that he got me from the company that he works for, and my unwashed hair is in a messy bun, and I'm just kind of, just there, lounging mm -hmm. on the couch, and he's like, you look really pretty, babe, and I'm like, What? <laughs> I think it's, uh, the, the feeling of being comfortable and the feeling of being, uh, accepting in yours, the same way you guys are, like, Ashley's, like, I like to look, like, in the heels and the skirt and the mm -hmm. dress, and you're, like, I want to be in the high waist point, and I want to be in this crop top where, like, I am comfortable with, uh, M's has a, uh, uh, ample bosom. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, They're big enough to take over Tokyo at this point. Mm -hmm. But the idea is in that crop top, they feel comfortable to you. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, it's also, it's accepting, because it's, I mean, when you have big tits, a crop top is kind of scary to wear. You're mm -hmm. nervous. You're like, oh, God, I can I do this? And when you finally do, and you go, okay, you know what, I don't give a fuck. Winnie the Pooh can wear a goddamn crop top, so can I. Mm -hmm. And it feels powerful. It feels freeing well, and just I, do I, it. I feel like uh we'll, we'll get back into mm -hmm. things but uh like saying the phrase like freeing it is it feels very genuine for the simple fact that like i as like i said you know it's very rare for me to ever go out with that like black eye shadow black red purple lipstick and stuff like that so when i i kind of feel like a lot of my stuff is off and I feel like I'm a little bit more genuine for, like, who I am. And I I get to not see myself so much as, like, I am Ella, mistress of evil. It's like, I'm Ella. I like to play Kingdom Hearts and cuddle my puppy. 
We're all that deep down, though. We're all like, I like cupcakes and watching fun, cute shows. I fucking hate cupcakes. Okay, well, I fine, I'll make you veggie cupcakes. How about that? Just creme brulee or chocolate-covered strawberries. That's about as yeah. sweet as I can get. Okay, I'm just not going to make you sweets. That's well. Okay, back on the podcast. I kind of feel like that's what um, Ruby wanted. Like, she, Ruby felt her most self without all of the sexual genitalia. So without her vagina, without the nipple, she was like, take everything off. Keep the the shape, because she's like, I don't want you to take off my boobs. Well, it's the same one. Like, you were saying, like, uh, the 1950s cell that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Uh, While the 1950s cell, a lot of people see it as it being very sexual. If you look at everything from the 1950s cell, the girls are covered. Mm -hmm. Like, you might get half an inch of cleavage. Yeah. And that is like, oh, my stalls and straps. Everything's below the knee. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that that's something... That it is is powerful, and the fact that every outfit we all mentioned, mm-hmm. none of it is sexy, quote unquote. Yeah, none of us were like, you know how I feel really sexy in my tight ass body dress. It's when I'm mm-hmm. wearing a pair of matching lace bralette and panties yeah, no. with fishnets and uh my like stockings and my three inch pumps. And my really uncomfortable pencil skirt and the shirt that, like, scoops down to, like, my belly button. That's when I feel sexy. No, that's what I feel like if I have a fucking, like, chip. This outfit's gonna explode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I will say, I made a note when I was watching this, and it is kind of like, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. Especially with her wanting to get rid of her nipples. Which, we as women mm-hmm. know that nipples are not sexual. They are not there to be sexual. They're yeah. there, if you have a baby, to feed your baby. Yeah. But they will always be viewed sexually. Which yeah. is the most frustrating thing ever. Mm-hmm. Because that is a man's call to refer Well, and also, uh, you go uh, to any place. End of story. Uh, fuck. Like, universal when guys get their shirts wet. To the beach. Mm-hmm. To the gym. To, uh, I don't know, TGIF on a Thursday night if Maria's are a dollar. You're gonna see a man's nipples. You're gonna see a man's nipples walking down the street. Yeah. Running. But, but if a woman socialist uses her nipples to feed. Yeah. To feed. Not sexual. I'm not sitting out here with nipples. To feed her child. If she uses nipples for the purpose that they are actually there for. I'm not sitting here with, like, little firecrackers on them being like, (laughs) Oh, I now want to. <laughs> Just sparklers at the ends. But you have to make the woo. You won't actually have sounds. It's just me being like, woo. Like that crazy <laughs> My wo- nipples are really entertaining. Ignore the crazy woman with the sparklers on her nipples. <laughs> it's what Ashley will be telling her children for most of their life. Well, no. So, quick side note. One of my favorite Mooney and Brune quotes for those oh, yeah. Mooney and Brune are a show at the Renaissance Fair and they're great. Um, they, when they have their little, like, sign language girl at the side, their favorite phrase to say is, my nipples are erect with excitement. And it's literally just the sign language girl putting her hands right at her nipples, rubbing them, and then sticking out her fingers. Well, it would be, my nipples are erect erect with excitement. excitement. And just rubbing. This needs to be a visual. We'll do maybe a video someday. 
<laughs> Ashley, where is your phone real quick? We're just going to make a quick little video that we will thus post on Thursday. Uh, and I think... Uh, so you get this gorgeous scene with Ruby. She wants to take off her nipples. She wants to uh, have a vaginal closing. And she goes home and she throws up and she, she, she goes back to class. And, the no, next... and at this point, she's she's not in the class specifically with that teacher that was she's like, doing, don't fuck up. She's doing she's, a residency. Yeah, she's doing yeah. a residency at an actual hospital. Which, so, by the way, can I just say, this is the most unbusy hospital ever. Oh, yeah, that, they have time to, like, chit-chat. Yeah, that she takes mm-hmm. a fucking break. I mean, my best friend is a uh, is an RN. My mom there's, is a straight therapist. Yeah, there's no breaks. You don't take breaks at a fucking hospital. Maybe a Canadian hospital. Uh, so she she's doing this, and, um... Uh, I'll admit the first time I saw this film, uh, oh, God, my, uh, my stomach went off so bad. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, trigger warning for the next Sexual scene. assault. And uh, oh, wait, no, let's, before we get that, so she, at her residence. Oh, well, no, I feel like this, this, this goes into it, so this is, the trigger warning starts Here's here. a trigger warning, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pretty much, there's a trigger warning from here until the end of the film. We will be discussing rape, sexual assault, everything else. From here and before, it's been pretty... Safe, but uh, at, at this point, we uh, the, the the themes of rape, sexual assault, and uh, sexual um, uh, manipulation and uh, castration will all be brought up. Body mutilation, yeah. Not not in terms of body mod. This is body mutilation. This is all of, I think, every single trigger warning I can give you. Yeah. Uh, there are no snakes on this plane, so you're good on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, she gets invited out by the surgical consult. Yes. And, God, this scene happened the first time I watched it, and it was such a... It, it was so, so painful. Like, I wanted to talk about, like, her arriving to the party. So, she gets... She gets a she gets a gift from uh, Ruby. Yeah, which is she, this the gorgeous fucking dress. dress. I was like, I want that dress. I need it in my life. It's, it's like dress. if a mermaid if a mermaid walked out of the ocean wearing anything, it would be this. Uh, I want to go back to the scene with uh, the invite. So uh, Walsh, who's like the uh, who's her professor that says don't fuck up. Oh no, um, Grant he, is the professor. Grant, yeah. professor. Walsh Walsh is currently like uh, the residency one. the residency doctor. Uh, and, and he's, he's, he's playing it off, but, uh, in that, uh, I, I don't know how to, like, describe, uh, it's like honey-soaked venom. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. It is a very good way. And then Grant comes up and he's like, yeah, it's just a few of us, it's not a big deal. Just, you know, don't fuck up. But Grant's still hammering in. Don't fuck up. This, you are less. hmm You are, even in this party. Even in this casual gathering of people, don't be fucking late. Don't look under. Don't be a failure. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. So even though Walsh, yeah. you immediately get this slime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still just, you have that vulture nipping at her neck. Yeah. Uh, and then you were talking about the dress. Yeah. So she gets this dress from Ruby, and I figured, like, when like when both the doctors invited her to this thing, I figured, you know, it was just, like, casual drinks at, like, a bar or, like, the house or whatever. And so, like, I didn't know she was going to wear this fucking gorgeous dress, which, of course, mine and Ella's favorite quote is, 
Does it come in black? Does it come in black? I love this thing. Does it come in black? <laughs> Gorgeous jacket. Does it come in black? Gorgeous pair of skirts. Does it come in black? <laughs> um, but, so, like, I figured, you know, she's probably gonna wear, like, well, I, button I, up and, like, I pencil skirt or whatever. It, it wasn't particularly described that it was the style. I think she wanted to almost be overboard. Mm-hmm. She wanted to show up in them in shorts and t-shirts. And yeah. her well, that, be well, in this. Well, and be like, oh, that's how you go out? She wanted to impress them. Yeah, and like, Bottom that's line. what I figured, though. Like, I figured, I didn't know she was gonna wear that dress. Like, I figured she was gonna do, like, the, her her outfit that she usually wears, that she kind of, like, wears later on with, like, the little pencil skirt, the pumps, and the button-up tee. And it, kind it would of, be something. That, like, you know professionally sexy. Yeah, so she gets there and all the doctors are in button-ups and slacks. Yeah, just like basically and, probably what they the were wearing throughout under the, yeah. what they were wearing under their um, coats. But the way they're speaking is so insanely mm-hmm. immature. Immature. Well, e- even if uh so I walk Oh, I walk and mind up. you, and in the background you see a couple of like two or three of the doctors kind of shuffling off a girl who's in like lingerie. Yeah. I was gonna say, uh, that, that's something that I noticed, uh, I watched it the second time around. Um, there is, so the second, uh, it was actually the third time I watched it, because I watched it, then I watched the scene again. Um, if, if you are brave, and, uh, I, I did this kind of on accident, and I do not emotionally suggest it, um, there is sexual assault going in, in every single, you, the guys you say that are shuffling, they're pulling her hair. Mm-hmm. One of the doctors has Sir, this girl yeah. by her hair. Mm. It is pulled. So, but it's all background. The entire yeah. fucking scene. And the thing mm-hmm. is, you don't see her seeing it. Yeah, so, it's all behind, because it, it's happening behind her. And mind you, so I had no idea, before we get into this, I had no idea that this was a rape revenge film. So I, I I can't I I would I would really like to avoid the the phrase for rape and revenge for okay. this film because Sorry. I feel like rape and revenge, uh, the rape is the character's arc, where you get like mm-hmm. last house on the left revenge I spit on your grave, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like the socialists did very something of this, uh, they they were able to put a rape and revenge film inside of the the Russian nesting dolls. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were able to put a rape and revenge story inside a bigger story. And I don't yeah. think we've ever seen that. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's not necessarily, I'm not saying, like, it is a re- rape and revenge film specifically. But there is rape and revenge, but that's it's, the, it's part it's of the story arc. the plot point. But I think yeah. that, that's it's, so cool mm-hmm. to actually have rape and revenge in a film mm-hmm. that that's not our entire two hours. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like that, like going into- to see her move past yeah. the revenge, mm-hmm. past the rape past that moment mm-hmm. to take it out of all of the gore and everything you're seeing her develop her skill yeah and exactly. she's getting good at this yeah. and good for her but i was saying like i love the fact that like you bringing up the fact like is this a rape and revenge mm-hmm. film yes and, and no. no yeah, right. and, yeah so, i think that's so cool yeah but as i say it was like i so i had no idea that this film dealt with i probably should have given you that heads yeah up. you should have 
Whoopsie! Sorry, normally I'm the person that watches the films first and then gives them the, like, trigger warning. <laughs> so watching that scene, I was just like, ah! I mean, trigger so- warning! Thanks a lot, Ella. The moment I saw her get invited to this party, I kind of got the feeling. I was like, okay, this is going to happen. Well, I, when I started to see, when I saw the scene happening behind her, as soon as she enters the party. You get the feeling. I get, yeah. I kind of got that, oh shit, shit's going to go down I feeling. didn't realize they were going to show the scene as it was yeah. happening. So, uh, this is the high trigger warning point of the podcast. Uh, what I... I have such a hard time, like, enunciating this. Um, for terms of cinematographically, I think that was one of the hardest rape scenes to ever watch. Mm-hmm. Because they show nothing except their faces. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is so much harder because at this point, Mary's been drugged. Yeah. She's been roofied. Or something else has been put in her drink. And Lily, you get you see this absolutely blank stare and then just the shoulders mm-hmm. jerking. So and that if and then you get that one clip at the end of his face in pleasure mm-hmm. versus that just catatonic and I was yeah. like Oh, this is like the most I, I, I hate to say this, but like this is like the most like artistic version and like painful version I've ever mm-hmm. seen of rape because rape is often so dealt with in wide in the thrusting actions in the penetration mm. but to just have it show your face yeah right another I was gonna say another um it's it's weird to figure out the words to describe certain things in this well, scene. Sometimes well, sometimes there's just no words. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, another similar scene, not in this film, but in the show Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Um, Katie Seagal's character gets raped. I remember mm-hmm. that scene. And they do the exact same thing. Like, there's, like, it shows, like, there's a full body shot of him doing, of him raping her character first, but then it just kind of, it goes to their faces and he's doing it full on like not to not like he's raping her because she's uh her like because of her character like who she is it's and he hates her Ooh. it's not like this is power yeah this is a power this is i'm doing this because i i, I need, win i win i need the power right not because i'm just i think you're attractive and well I no i feel like grant grant needed that too yeah but he, like he needed that, to dominate he knew that she was going places despite the fact that he kept intimidating her and yeah. like don't fuck up don't fuck yeah. up but i think i think the hardest part about that scene it, it it's it's her and god like the actress and uh i, I was also very happy to hear they they did have a um uh a sexual coordinator there okay. good yeah. So they had a, a safety... Int- intimacy co- they, coordinator yeah. is what they're called. They had yeah. they had an intimacy coordinator. They were one of the first big movies to use an intimacy coordinator. Uh, I, we have a very, very good friend, Rachel Flusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's her job. Yeah. She's an intimacy coordinator, and she's amazing with it. Uh, but they had, a, a, thank God, an intimacy coordinator for that scene, because I don't, I don't know how you could have dealt with it. Because it's, it's not... I feel like almost seeing somebody fight back in a rape, mm-hmm. while it's it's harder and maybe more visceral in the moment, but to sit there and watch Mary just 
glazed eyes and just her kind of head and shoulders mm-hmm. moving to the thrusting is so much harder because not only is she being raped, she has no control. Her she has been... no willpower. Yeah. She has no strength. She has no say. It's this been is, taken from her. This yeah. is rape in an emotional, mental, psychological, and physical way. And mm-hmm. from a person she looks up to. A person that she sought for guidance. And a person yeah. she's kind of bend the neck to, or yeah. bend the knee, mm-hmm. for terms of placation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing during that scene, you know, I watched this with my husband Connor, and... You know, he even was watching this scene with me going, oh, shit, this is, this is, wow. It's hard. And mm-hmm. he made a comment, because I had to pause it, and, you know, he was going to go out to smoke a cigarette, and he said, you know, that that scene reminded me of an article I read where, what was it? Basically, apparently surgeons share a lot of traits with psychopaths. I believe it. And the fact that these <laughs> guys kept calling themselves slicers and laughing Slashers. at other- Slashers or slicers, something like yeah, that. It, slashers. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, it's it's the idea of a uh, because he he goes welcome because he, he, when she well, comes to the slash club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's the idea that they they care more about their total than the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and when she talks to the guy and he goes, "I'm a motherfucking motherfucker" or some stupid crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. By the, the fact way, that he sees himself as some kind of superhero or something. Yeah. Well, it's, he he's past human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that's. Especially during that scene when you're seeing it's this is not only him taking away her choice, taking away her agency, taking away any power she could possibly have. It's the fact that he feels he has to do this in order to have power. Well, I, I feel like it's not even that he has to, it's he has the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he deserves to fuck her. He deserves to rape her. Yeah, you're my, you're my consolation prize. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. my to- you're my trophy. It's, it's not even you're my trophy, it's... It's not a prize. It's 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 a a, a coke at a party. God, it, it just, it's 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 not even a prize or a consolation. Sick. It's yeah. oh, you're here. I'm here. I'm gonna have you. It just makes you sick. If there's nothing and you, emotionally connecting him to her, going except for the fact that in his mind, you're getting out of line. So I'm gonna fuck your pussy until you stop being a cunt. And yet, going and back to... I mean to, those words in his mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. Going back to what I was saying earlier about all the effort that's put into this. All of the money they Come probably over, spent. drink. Uh, putting, you, you know, getting the fucking roofies to put in her fucking drink. Making mm-hmm. sure she drinks it. All of this shit. All this effort well, that goes into it. Well, even if you look in those additional scenes. Uh, so you do see the one girl getting dragged. But you see probably, I'd say in that scene, about five or six girls. There's one girl on the, um, on the, on the went, bar, yeah. On the yeah. bar table. And I even wrote in my notes, I was like, what the fuck are they doing to the girl on the bar? Like, what's I happening? She has, like, coke or something on her stomach. Mm-hmm, like, they're yeah. sniffing coke off her stomach or whatever. She's twitching. And she's, yeah, yeah she's twitching. Like, she's, I don't know if, like, they drugged her or whatever. Oh, definitely. Again, well, yeah, but again, like, this is before they even, like, Rufy, her, her, Rufy Mary, so I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? But the, the idea is these men don't actually see women as, uh, and I think this, this is a super important point to go into the end of it, uh, women are not people, they are objects. Yeah. Yep. They are objects for male gratification. And that, that is what women are. 
So, moving past that scene, mm-hmm. that's the turning point for Mary. That's, yeah. That's, she comes She home, drops out of college. Mm-hmm. And she is like, I'm gonna do this. And she starts doing all of this body modification out which, of her which apartment. I like, which I want to I want to backtrack just a little bit before we get into um, her new career as a uh-huh. body modification surgeon. Yeah, yeah, body modifier, yeah, body modifier. Yeah. yeah, shorter term <laughs> um, as a body modifier. Before she's going to the party, like she's getting like she's dressed already in her dresser. She looks up because she sees um, I think Ruby or uh, no, not Ruby. Beatrice sends her a link to, oh, look, um... You're, you're being posted about. You're, you're being yeah. posted about. Yeah, um, she posted Ru- pictures yeah. on her website. Ruby posted you're pictures getting, on you're her... You're going to start getting yeah. emails. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby posted on her website about you. Like, not specifically you, because, like, she was, like... Well, she, she added, like, a link to, like, her, like, personal email. Like, yeah. nothing mm-hmm. to be traced. Right. Yeah. And she, like, looks it up, and she's, like, she clicks on the link, and it's, like, you see the the people who've done you know the the corset piercings yeah. or I can't corset remember piercings the are the, not painful. Yeah, yeah it's pretty like much like it's an implant. Yeah, yeah, but, your body your body shows shows down about yeah. twelve hours. But yeah, like corset tongue piercings, yeah. elf ears, uh, elf ears, yeah. the the tongue splits, all kinds of stuff. And she's like, like she immediately closes her laptop. She's like, Ugh, what what the fuck was that? That's too much. That's yeah. too much. Uh, but what I think is so is so crazy. Uh, so. Mary comes home, she cries, she loses her shit, she burns the dress, and then turns on the website. Mm-hmm. And in, in this way, she bypasses grief, anger, all of this stuff that she should. She just immediately takes action. Yeah. And she goes, okay, I lost all control of my body. Let me give you control of yours. Except for Dr. Grant. Well, I, I was going to say Dr. Grant for a minute. Yeah. I, I'll get into that mm-hmm. in, in a minute. Yeah. Gotcha. Let, me uh, give, like, let me give people the control of their body that they want. Uh, but yeah, I think you, you so rarely see that in, in films of women. Uh, and I feel, like, but I feel like it's also very real. Uh, I know I've discussed uh, a little bit of my sexual assault on this podcast. I was sexually assaulted in a kitchen I worked in. Uh, and uh, I, I went back. I went back to work. And I continued to work there for another three months. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, it, it's something that, that people don't realize that uh, sexual assault happens, but your life doesn't. Like, you you can be sexually assaulted and still have bills to pay. Yeah. Nothing goes on hold. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's no things. pause button for being raped. Yeah. There's no, I was raped, I, do, I, I can't pay rent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is no writing the check for ten bucks saying, sorry, this much I was sexually assaulted. And I haven't been able to get out of bed for two weeks. I mean, if you if you have a job that does allow you to take a mental disability leave, good for you. Yeah. Like, that's But amazing. it's rare. It's rare. It's very, very rare. And even then, you still have to pay repercussions for that. There are still consequences for it. Well, it, it, it was such a big thing. So, uh, when, when I was sexually assaulted, Lily, uh, a week after I was, I had to sit down with my... Uh, 
the man who sexually assaulted me and tried to have a workout conversation. Oh, God. Fuck that. Where they tried to be like, we understand he did this to you, but can, we're a family in this restaurant. Oh. Yeah. I, I feel sick to my stomach even just thinking of that. Be, but that, that, that is a, a real thing. You get sexually assaulted. You're expected to talk it out. You're expected to be like, uh, yeah, you, you did this to me. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Cool, let's go back to work. Yeah, no. Or, uh, you were sexually assaulted by this person, you have to see them again in college. You have to see them in the next class. Mm-hmm. They have to be your professor. Your friends are friends with them. I don't want to pick a side. Oh, yeah. Or, like, you know, going back to our, our one of our previous films about Christmas. Yeah. He, uh, they, you know, they, in, they in sent the, him away, In the but new he version came back. of Black Christmas. Yeah. Um, you know, they sent her, um, assailant away. But he still is but friends with everybody. He's still friends he with everybody. Still he's come still, back. Yeah, he's still always on campus. Ugh. And she had to see him every day. And, and, and that's the thing that people don't realize. Like, uh, you don't get assaulted and it just, it leaves. And it, it's a terrible fact, but uh, women have to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, mine basically stalked me for two months. So, it's one of those things where even if you do try to leave, sometimes they don't let you. They'll still go after you. Well, also, uh, in in dealing with uh, domestic rape, I was in a relationship where I was uh, sexually coerced constantly. But it's that victim mentality of, like, he doesn't mean it. it. It's not rape. I'm, I'm choosing to stay with my assailant. I'm choosing to stay with yeah. my abuser. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me that much. It do, it doesn't hurt if I just give up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like that that's such a powerful point that American Mary makes. Is she not only walks away powerfully? but then takes control of what she was doing in her own right. Yeah. Yeah. So she leaves the school. She leaves being a resident and becomes, like, the number one body modifier. hmm Yep. So she chooses to take this assault and have it positively shape her in a way that you never see. Yeah. That being said, the part of her down, I don't want to say downfall, but the part of her fall from grace, I guess, Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, is when she decides to give Dr. Grant a taste of his own medicine. You changed me, so now I'm going to change you. So pretty much you you get a a scene where she uh, has Dr. Grant strung up by his back. And no, she call. She gets what's his face to kidnap him. She gets Lance. She gets Lance to kidnap him. Lance oh, and good Billy. Old Lance. Yeah, she Lance calls and up Billy. She calls up. Uh, she's like she goes up. To, she goes to strip club and like I need, like I need a favor. Yeah. So Lance. Uh, so currently at this point, Billy has started his uh, idealization. Yeah. Of uh, her, which I think is so interesting because I said I wanted to come back to this. So Billy is somebody that is constantly surrounded with, uh, except at this point, Beatrix is dancing for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, other characters are dancing for him. She never does. Nope. She never yeah. dances. She never uh, goes to this place to do that. She ends up almost becoming like his partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts to... I, I don't even want to say... It, it's not like a sexual objectification. It's yeah. more just an idolization. Yes, because yeah. all of the fantasies... Like, there, there's one where he starts to see her on the stage dancing, but she's, like, pouring blood on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... In it, my notes, I wrote, subtextual symbolic fantasy. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what so it he, is. he's still... But I think it's this idea of a man that is in so control of women... Having an equal. The way that I... And how he deals with it. The way that I put it is, in her fall of morality, Mm -hmm. he starts to rise in morality. Yeah. But not really. They're still... They're both morally gray. They're gray. But at the same time, he goes from being a total sleazeball to someone who actually actively cares about another person. Mm -hmm. And is willing to do whatever it takes... To keep them okay. Yeah. He cares about her safety. Mm-hmm. He which... cares about her safety, because uh, you you eventually figure out, while she takes Dr. Grant, he kills Dr. Welsh. Yeah. And I think the fact that he cares about her safety is what makes him so attractive to the three of us. Yeah. And other women. Yeah, he's easy on the eyes, but you can, make, you can take a guy who's easy on the eyes and he'll still be a fucking schmuck, and it's like, that makes him unattractive. The fact that he... Is actively trying. He is to keep literally her the fixer upper. He yeah. he literally is fixed. He is mm-hmm. trying to protect her. That that makes me be like, take me, I'm yours. Yeah. You know? but, but it's also still in the same way that Mary. It, it, it's 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 still not like I'm protecting. Like I haven't seen the show you. Uh, just because I I have had stalkers in the past, and uh, they're not fun. They're no, very they're terrifying. They're terrible. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I had some issues with the idea that, um, like, they they were kind of like, and I eventually was told, like, it's not accurate, but they were kind of, like, idolizing the main, the main stalker guy from you. Yeah. Yeah, some girls were. But I guess, like, he, he's actually shown to be, like, a complete and total sociopath. Yes. So I was like, okay, I, I can actually watch this now eventually, because, like, when the show came out, I was like, oh! Okay, nope, I've actually had stalkers. Like, I had a stalker yeah. in high school uh, who actually never got to the point uh, I knew he stalked me. Uh, but uh, he, he straight up had, like, the Helga Pataki. Mm. Uh, he had uh, about four or five articles in my clothing. That's scary. In his closet and had photos of me that I was not aware of. The only way we found out is his mom found out. And his mom really showed up at, like, my parents' house and was like, he's going away, like, oh, God. to a place. But I, I feel like you need to know this. Also, like, as his guardian, I'm signing off on, like, a 10-year, like, restraining order. Mm-hmm. Which is, it was more terrifying because I, at that point, I had no inclination he was that way. Yeah. He was just kind of that weird friend I had that was kind of awkward uh-huh. and, like, would show up with random shit for me. Oh, and I was like, uh, okay, so you're just kind of this weird guy that has a crush on me and I'm not really into it. And then later on I find out, like, he's been in my room. Oh, God. 
so, so you, I still say Billy is not a, a I don't person think... to be attracted to or to like. Yeah, no, but like, he's still time, a bad person. Yeah, I didn't definitely. Get the stalker vibes from him, not mm-hmm. necessarily stalker vibes. Like it was more of just he sees this person who he actually considers, as you said, an equal, and he wants to keep her safe, but he doesn't understand it himself. I, I also think uh, in Billy you see a version of uh, misogyny being questioned. Yes. Because, mm-hmm. like, he goes and kills, uh, not Grant, but Walsh. H- Walsh. Uh, he, he tries to kill these people that, like, might hold a threat to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, he never consults her. It's never with her consent. I think it's it's more just his own thing that he needs to do. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that he wants any recognition for it from her. He just wants to, he he feels like it's his own sort of... It's his own control of the situation without controlling her. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, you find out, she has Walsh, she has Walsh hung up, Uh, she's continuing this practice... Uh, the end of the film, uh, the, the climax is only, I would say, about 15 minutes long. I like the fact that Grant is her guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And she starts out, she's like, so I figured out there's a thing called body modification, and we're going to try a little of these things on you. There's the split tongue, there's this, and there's this, and she, she starts kind of It's almost like him. the turkey in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. He's her turkey. Grant is her turkey. That's a weird phrase, but we all know what we're talking about. Watching those scenes, I mean, the joke came into my mind of just like, what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs sitting on the floor? Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to go into this movie with a dark sense of humor. So we, we Ella have, disapproves. You should we approve. Don't, we don't have we don't we don't we don't have mean on the cast on the podcast anymore to give us ridiculous pun, so dumb bad puns. One? So M is the punny one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> I have no apologies whatsoever. <laughs> uh, then you see her kind of go forward with this. Uh, I, I love that there's the scene where like the guy comes in. He's like. Well, maybe I want to get, like, a nipple piercing. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you find out about this place? Get him out of here. Yeah. And Lance, who we love. Lance. Yeah. I love the teddy bear. So Lance is pretty much Billy's, like, right arm. Yeah. He's kind of Billy's, like, he's the brawn. He's the muscle. Yeah, he's Billy's muscle. Then he kind of moves over to Mary. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you get, uh, and I guess you weren't aware the first time you watched it. The Soska sisters. Yes, the Soska sisters. So the Soska sisters, who uh, we've discussed so much uh, on this podcast, uh, who wrote, directed, and created this uh, lovely film that we are currently discussing, uh, show up in the film Mm -hmm. as two German twins, because they are twins. Uh, I think they're supposed to be Russian. No, they're German. They're German? German. Oh, okay. They're German. They're German. And they have corset piercings, which I love the fact that people think corset piercings are like a big thing. Okay, so have you guys ever taken, like, when you guys, like... No, have, I know what a... I, I, well, I was going to say, yeah. to, like, people on the podcast. Uh, like, the, the flesh above, like, your, your fingers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken, like, a safety pin and gone through it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only Ella and I have done this. No, never. No, we were not. in was in high school. Okay, I yeah. accidentally did it with a stapler once, but that was on accident. But, but you know how it doesn't really hurt? 
Is, is that, that that flesh, that really hard fleshy bit? I'm judging you so hard right now. Okay, so. Uh, or like when you're, okay, when you're sewing. Okay. And you like. The you, needle kind of goes to the yeah, top like, layer. Okay, yeah, yes, when it goes to the yes. top layer and you're like, you like, you kind of miss the, the whatever you're sewing and it goes through like the top layer and of your stuff. Like, but does it hurt? But you're like, oh. But it doesn't like, it's just kind of like a quick, yeah, it's like, just like, ow. ow. So that's actually what court, uh, corset piercings aren't permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been corseted probably about two dozen times in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are these very, very fine, very sharp, uh, needles. Mm-hmm. And where you put them through it and you put the little corseting ends. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I, I legitimately have gone and like worked at a bar mm-hmm. and like fallen asleep and like woken up like with half of them out of my body. Gotcha. Because your body within about... 12 to 24 hours will because it's just the top layer. Yeah, it basically your body heals forces, itself. It forces, and forces it, out. it out. Right. Okay. So you can get them done. Like it, it feels like you're getting pinched a whole shit ton. Mm-hmm. But it's it's nowhere like uh, I pierced my belly button. I pierced like my lips. I pierced my ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nowhere like an actual piercing. So it Got doesn't it. actually like. It doesn't so go. It doesn't through, go through like yeah. So like, yeah. like it's like, strapidermis. Yeah, top. like basically to. So yeah, like a corset piercing because you know, like when you like when you prick your thumb if you're sewing, you kind of you get those two little like droplets, droplets, yeah. and then they they heal up. Like you stop bleeding after like two seconds. The only thing I will tell you the next do, day. Oh, sorry. Do not, not go into a pool <laughs> the next day. No, I've gone that's into a bad a, idea. I've gone to a pool and uh, my corseting uh, passed was very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ouch. No, it actually didn't hurt, but, like, there were some questions of, like, uh, Ella? Why is your back bleeding? Why do you have, like, perfectly, like, measured piercings down your back? Oh, that too. Ouch. And I was just like, uh, I do things in my spare time. Hmm. Um, but, like, you know, and then after a couple of days, that, like, the lifted up skin that you've, like, created, like, heals, mm-hmm. that's basically what a, a corseting... Got it. It's not painful. Yeah. It heals in a few days. It looks badass. So, uh, I've never done, like, actual suspension. Ugh. I've always actually would love to try a suspension once in my life. Uh, I am very squeamish. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I see that stuff, and it's just like, no thank you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so anyway, we meet do. the Soska sisters who yes. are playing these dark German twins. Oh, they're so sexy. <laughs> Every, like, every time I watch this one, they come on, and they're just doing this, like, overplayed German accent. I'm always just like... <laughs> so, these twins decide they want to have their left arms... And amputated. Amputated and, and put, switched. And switched. Mm-hmm. Um, not gonna lie, I got a little confused by that, because they so, said they wanted to be, like, if one dies, the other will die, which I'm like, does that... Well, because what it, I... It's a theoretical idea. Yeah. So what I, what I thought that they were going to do, so I was very confused at the very end of their I transformation. I will say this, this one was a little bit muddled. Yeah. So when I, when they were talking to her, like, we want to always be together, we want to be there when the other one dies, we want our left arms amputated, I thought that they were, that they wanted to be, um, conjoined. conjoined. Yeah, I thought at first, but, yeah, too, So yeah. when she was doing the surgery... She amputated their arms. She then gave him the horns. Yeah. And then they walk off together with arms. So I was like, huh? The, the, one, the one thing I kind of had an issue with is I wish you would have actually gotten to see the final product. 
It, yeah. it felt a little anticlimactic. Well, also with the random other doctor thrown in there, you never yeah. even learn his name, and he mentions Mengele and twins, and it's like, okay, what was this? Yeah. Uh, I, I did, I will say her, her red surgical scrubs were on point. Oh. Those were really mm-hmm. cool, and that should be a thing, because, uh, you know, blood. Mm-hmm. I want to be sexually attracted to my surgeons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, I was very confused by I, their I surgery. The, the, the Sosco ones, uh, like, I've, I've now said, I've now seen this film three times. Uh, and, and that is definitely a point, like, I tried to, like, zone in on this scene, and I literally watched it a week ago. And uh, I, I, I have no answers for you ladies. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that one was just kind of a shock scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they wanted to say something, and um, I'm, I'm going to go with the theory that they wanted to do more and budget ran out. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, the, the whole film was shot in 15 days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a feeling that, like, it was supposed to be, like, an end of the film thing or was gonna be like a last day shoot and they budgetarily yeah right uh so we're, we're now gonna get into uh the ending right of this which i also so before we get to the ending i found the ending slightly anticlimactic oh same like because you're like you're rooting for the character and then see i i love the ending see, the ending was i'm not anticlimactic i loved it it was beautifully done but to not know anything really about other than who's this guy in the picture, but I think okay. to that be her to for that guy to be. But I like the unnamed person. I like it being not somebody we know. I, I like it. so uh, to explain the ending real quick. Uh, Ella's gonna do a quick run through of it, and then we'll have mm-hmm. a discussion about it. Um, Billy is getting to the point where he uh, wants. Him and Mary to run away. Uh, the police are coming after Mary. They're starting to figure out. They're starting to put stuff together about Grant. Also, side note: I love the detective. Oh, uh, British he was detective. So sweet. British detective was so sweet. You know, he wanted to arrest her, but thought she was just so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Billy wants to run away with her. Uh, Ruby. Who, uh, you, you get a photo early on of this is her husband. Yeah. Um, you, you get a phone call from Beatrix to Mary, uh, that, that is, in my opinion, one of the most heartbreaking scenes yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, is Beatrix, uh, really beaten to death and dying. Um, and you find out that, uh, Ruby's husband saw her, uh, uh, vaginal closing and uh, murdered Ruby. Well, the scene, like, I want to go into that scene a little bit. The scene of where, because, like, she's looking at herself in the mirror. She's got her little, cute little, like, negligee. Negligee, sat, like, satin negligee robe. And she's admiring herself in the mirror. And she's just like, I look so beautiful. And she's got, like, you know, she's covering the nipple. So you see the, like, you see the breasts. Yeah, you see the, mm-hmm. the the round shape of the breasts. You see her stomach, but the you know her vat or her vagina and her nipples are covered. Mm-hmm. And, and then she's her just, her husband. Yeah, she still stays kind of shadowed. Yeah, like she's just admiring herself in the mirror. She's like, oh, I feel so sexy now. I feel beautiful. I feel myself. Well, I think and it's, her it's, husband comes. I like, think the word sexy, like it's it's not sexy. It's like kind of like. 
you know when you get out of like a really hot shower mm-hmm. and you feel soft? Yeah. It's you like feel that whole. You feel yeah, she feels yeah, she feels whole. So like yeah, yeah. sexy's not necessarily the right word, but Well, I'm like because that's how we are because like we want to be like I am sexy. We're like to her sexy is everything but. So, but I like the fact that it's it's a mood that we all take as being sexy. Mhm. We're I feel confident. But Confidence is the right word. But I like the fact that every to all of us it's mm-hmm. like I feel sexy where it's like oh god, how do you feel sexy without sexualization? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's what she's doing. Yeah, that's that's how that's how she yeah. feels. That's what made her feel sexy was it's feeling without without sexualiz- being sexualization. Yeah. It's feeling whole. It's feeling mm-hmm. complete. It's feeling yeah. like you are comfortable. It's in like your own I am skin. so perfect. Mm-hmm. I am finally a doll. Yeah. I am finally yeah. perfect. I've I have my this I have, pinnacle of, of I have reached my complete form. Exactly. Um, right, so she. <laughs> it's over nine thousand. <laughs> Super Saiyan. Legendary I had to. Super Saiyan. Um, so she's reached her Super Saiyan form. <laughs> yes. And she's admiring herself in the mirror. And her husband comes up behind her, and he like he walks up behind her as if he's just like, "Oh, honey, I love you." And then she turns around and she because she's like she's so proud of her body now, she wants to express it with the man that she loves. And he... Hoping that he is going to... Ex- hope it was, it was just expecting. Yeah, yeah like, I expecting... Well, like, I I kind of read it as hoping. Like, yeah. hoping that he would accept her for who she wants to be. You know, because we all kind of... We all want that in, you know, a, a, a significant other. Like, if... You know, like, I want you to accept me for who I am. Not for I, I what I used to be. Pride. I Like, look at what I've finally become... Isn't this amazing? Like, it, it had nothing to do with him. It was, and I think that's that's what I kind of got out of that because it's her having nothing to do with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Her being complete and soul in her body, and the fact that her body can no longer be used as a sexual object. Yeah, anything she has taken away any and all rights he had to her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I got, and his response is violence. Yeah, from what I got from it, it was more of a a a, a, a display of this is who I am now. Yeah, but what's the word when I'm thinking here? It's um almost reta- not when you're going against somebody when it's um confrontation. Not confrontation. It's just oh, damn it. It's driving me nuts here. <laughs> it's just a display time. of like now you can't touch me. Oh, now you don't okay. want to touch me. You can't okay. do it anymore. Like it's see, I I never took it as like, she, like she didn't love this person. Well, I got the feeling because Beatrice says, "Oh, she has plenty of boyfriends, but mm-hmm. this is her husband." So I keep getting yeah. the feeling and... that she doesn't want him to touch her. Otherwise, she wouldn't go through with this. True. That, she... That's an interesting theory. I never, I never pulled yeah. out of that. Is the idea yeah, the husband might be the person that. She does the reason want, why she, she wants it close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I got from the get go. Huh. See, I always took it as like this is like my husband. Or... Uh, uh, this is somebody who who views me as arm candy, and he loves so much about the fact that I'm a doll and I'm perfect. But like now, look, baby, I'm now your perfect doll. Literally, my note is boo. It's Ruby's stupid ass husband. Yeah. So yeah, Ruby comes in. A Ruby displays herself, and the husband retaliates and kills her. But I think it's so interesting. He not only kills Ruby, 
He, but he kills Ruby, Beatrix, and then goes after Mary. Yeah, he, he goes after the, he the goes person after, who did it. Well, no, I think it's not even he goes after, he goes after every woman that is he, not malleable. He is, he is like the antithesis of Walter and Grant and every mm-hmm. man. And that's what I like about that you never really see his face. You never really get who this person is. Yeah. It's because he, he's all of them. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like he also goes after all the women that he feels somehow wronged him. Uh, Mary, Mary's death is so, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, the fact that it's three minutes, like, it's, it's two minutes. Yeah. Um. Daisy doesn't like the fact that we're talking about Mary's death. She's like, no, no <laughs> death. Like, no, she lived. She <laughs> lived and she went down to Los Angeles with Billy and lived happily ever after. Okay, so interesting point. Uh, so, how are you going to speak? Jen being so much or like you, Ashley mm-hmm. and Sylvia being like me. Apparently there was a long-running joke. <laughs> Daisy. Oh, Daisy growling. <laughs> Daisy is really not happy. Like, she's yeah. been fine this entire podcast. We're discussing the ending. Uh, of Sylvia wrote the ending of like Mary dies, goes out with this American flag bloodline of trying to suture herself mm-hmm. up like an eighteen. And Jen century. was like, "But I want her to run away with Billy." <laughs> but no, she would literally just do that shit to piss off Sylvia. <laughs> Yeah. She literally would constantly make I, jokes. I want to meet them now and be like, we are you, but oh, in no, other, like, like, in another life. We Jenny would be like, what if we just finish it with, like, you know, Mary, like, shooting her arm out, and Sylvie would be like, <gasps> like, so. Like, Daisy agrees with me. <laughs> like, Sylvie would take everything so seriously, and apparently Jen spent the last week of filming just randomly pointing out alternate endings to see how much they could piss off her sister. That's amazing, and that and sounds I'm like, like something I oh would do Oh my god, my I feel like that's what you two would do to me. Yes. I'm like, this is the darkest ending I can think of. Every female character of power has died. Men have won the world. How will women survive? Well, what if she just went away with the boy and lived happily ever after? That's not the fucking point! <laughs> like, what if they just well, like, I didn't want her so for me. Happy. Like this is why I did not enjoy the ending. Um, I so I didn't necessarily want her to run off with Billy. I did. I wanted her. <laughs> of course, the Hufflepuff was like, I wanted her to I run off happily, with happily ever after. Ever after. I, I wanted her to continue. And dark. <laughs> like I wanted her to continue this whole like career of body modifications and like become kind of like the the kingpin. The kingpin of body <laughs> modification, sure. The queen pin. <laughs> but, like, you know, kind of how, like, this, like, prolific career in body modification. But I, I think it, it was telling the fact that, like, she was... I, I think what what is an interesting thing that I took away from it was how hard she fights and how hard she tries to go against... Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a good, but it's a realistic point, and it's a film mm-hmm. that a lot of people, I think, in horror hasn't touched on. Uh, she fights so hard against the patriarchy, and she wins, and she wins, but in the end, you can't escape so much hate. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I took out of it, is, like, 
I, I kind of went away from it being like, I want to be my biggest feminist self, and if I get my head bashed in by some fucking, like, right-wing nutjob alt guy, I'm, I'm going to spend the next 20 years of my life at least preaching the good word of bitches. Mm-hmm. And take him down with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, we're going to go through our badass bitch moment, and then our ratings. So, M, you are our lovely first guest of our Women in Horror Month. Nice, thank you. So, uh, we, we are so happy to have you back on. We will always want to have you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. To I have love to M. be here. It's so fun. Uh, <laughs> M, what is your badass bitch moment? I mean, I mean, there are so many in this movie. <laughs> um, really, her badass bitch moment is when she fucking takes out that cop that catches oh. her. This mm-hmm. cop comes in and catches her with, with Grant and tries to get him out and tries and she takes his nightstick and bashes his fucking head in. And you watch her. She is just completely mm-hmm. stone-faced, just going at it to the point where I had to tell the TV, bitch, he's dead. <laughs> like, girl, stop. Yeah. Like, that was that was probably the badass bitch moment for me. It was like, okay, she's not playing. This is No, real. it's she she's legit. What about you, Ashy? Um, I think I'm actually gonna have to granted, like I said earlier, I wasn't a fan of the ending, but now kind of as we've discussed like our own kind of opinions of how the ending worked and how uh-huh. it played out. The ending scene where she's just he you know, he's pretty much stabbed her to death at this point. With the scalpel. With the scalpel, and she's crawling she's just every you know she's holding on to her last bit of life crawling all the way across to her little surgery surgery room and she's trying so hard and she's trying so hard to save herself and you see this trail of blood behind her she grabs the the suturing uh the suture tools Mm -hmm. and is stitching herself up and just that moment of like i can do this i can hold on to my last bit of life as i Stitch myself together. I have so many feelings right now that she's describing just again. Yep. And just... I need a group hug after this. Dies. Yeah. Like, just that, I can do this. It's like, I'm I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to power through. I really thought she was just going to master and commander it through. Mm -hmm. I thought she was going to, as you said, like, just stitch herself up like a 19th century sea doctor. (laughs) Like, she's going to do it. Yeah. And then... But, like, just that moment of... I can power through. You I can believe power it. You believe so want bad. it to happen, yeah. and you believe. I like. I think that was probably my badass bitch moment. Uh, for me, it, it, I feel like it's it's kind of an overlooked one. It's when she's having the meeting with the Soska sisters, mm-hmm. and she's in that like blazer and the pencil skirt, and her ankles are crossed, and they're describing everything, and she's just nodding, and she's like, "Okay." And it's the idea is she is so out of her fucking depth. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She has no idea how to do this. And she's just like, okay, let's go. Very professional. I, I love just the internal strength of her character in that film. And I feel like that's really the scene that she becomes, like, hashtag boss bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Lizzo ain't got nothing on, like, American Mary in that scene. Yeah. I love that they were drinking apple teenies. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, no, uh, they, they they literally they weren't drinking. They went oh, like that thing was look. gone. It's down an apple the, teeny. Down the gullet and gone. Do, do and people like, sip on apple teenies? No, Mary. Pussy. Well, Mary did it. <laughs> Mary was just like they're they, sweet. They're this is they're so like sweet. Mary did what I would have done. The, the 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 Soska sisters were like down the gullet. It's gone. Mary was just like 
I'll, I'll have one too just because they're having one. Yeah, whatever. One, the, the one sip, oh god, I drank that, and I'm done. Yep. Alright, let's go through, um, I'm, I'm going to read this film first. Okay. There are problems, there are issues, but fuck it, five. Okay. This is, this is one of the few fives I give on this podcast. I love this film. Uh, the Sosa sisters have done See No Evil 2, Dead Hooker in the Trunk, Marvel's Night Nurse. They did this film. They've done Rabbit. Uh, they make horror films that describe a female experience in America and in life in a way that I don't ever get. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot explain my love for them, my love for this film. Five. Ashy. Um, before, I mean, after watching this film, I wasn't sure what to make of it, but now, like, sometimes, you know, like, this happens a lot with the podcast, like, it's a film, like, I'm not sure what I'm gonna read. I feel like you do well with discussion. Yeah, like. <laughs> because, like, once I've dissected the film, you know, sliced it open, ripped it apart, kind of looked at its innards. Given its mouth ears, split its tongue. Given its mouth ears and split its tongue. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I've created what, you know, what it wants to be and what I want it to be. So, it also gets a five. <gasps> M. Grimm, what is your rating? Oh, I'm going to be the bad guy here. <gasps> Hufflepuff, no! <laughs> I'm not going to be so bad. It's just, you know, going back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast where I said that this is not generally a type of movie I would personally go for. Okay. That I would seek out to watch. Um, I don't go for body torture or any type of gore. Mm-hmm. Just because I, as I said, I'm very squeamish. Um... I'm very proud of you for watching this film. <laughs> yeah, no, the fact that I was watching it with Connor did help a lot. Um, I'm, I don't like that stuff, and despite that, I did really like this movie, and I liked what it stood for, I liked the message that it sent, so I'm going to give it a solid 4.5. Alright, well, if the lowest score in this podcast is 4.5, uh, I can't say too bad. I feel like we've, we've started off Women in Horror mm-hmm. Month correctly. Yeah. Uh, to continue Women of Horror Month, I'm going to be shouting out a few podcasts that you can check out. Uh, Bitches of Horror. They are actually a YouTube channel, so please check out their YouTube channel because they review movies just like Ella and I do. Cool. Uh, Switchblade Sister Podcast and The Dead Dolls. Uh, there will be links to all of them in the description. Uh, this month we are super focusing on feminist horror podcasts. This is Women in Horror Month. This is Black History Month. Take the people that you might feel don't get a voice. Take the ashes when Ella's had too much to drink. <laughs> that may not be able to utter a single syllable. Uh, I say this in all jokes, but there are, there are so many people out there. There are people of uh, LGBTQ, of minority color, that don't get a voice, even in this very, very open community. Uh, community. Uh, give them a voice. Ask ask your trans friends with their favorite horror films. Ask your black friends. Ask your Asian friends. Trust me, if you have like a good Asian friend, they know better horror than we do in yeah. America. Invite them all over and watch a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Have have everybody pick their favorite childhood classic. You'll see mm-hmm. how how different it can be from not just uh, nationality, but from different places in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, spend this month listening to people that uh, may not have as big a voice as you, and lend your voices to them. So I actually, when kind of looking up um, a lot more into Women in Horror Month, because I, you know, they're posting a lot more because it's, it's getting there. So yeah. it's like looking up to see um, actually on their website if there were any local things that we could do. 
Unfortunately, there was only one thing in California, and it was in Pasadena. It was 55 bucks, and we're poor. What was it? It's something at the Heritage Museum. The, ah. At the... I know what you're talking about. It was a witchy thing. It was... It no, was. it's not that. It's another thing. Oh, it was another thing. It's for Women in Horror Month at the Heritage Museum, but we are poor, and we cannot. Yeah. Ah, such a shame. And it's like a, like, Fangoria photo booth thing. It's really oh, that, cool. Yeah, right, yeah. But, uh, but it's 55 bucks. Maybe some other day. We're poor. But I did notice, strikingly... Or shockingly, that there was a lot of things in Ireland. Ladies, so, so uh, all right, like, I'm down. <laughs> apparently, there's a huge horror community in Ireland, which I am very okay with because, if, for whatever reason, I believe we, we you know, like when we decide, you know, fuck it, the United States is terrible, we're leaving. I know my husband Chris and I will probably move to Ireland because most of his family is over there. We will I mean, talk you. to us in September. <laughs> um, if things go wrong, sure. When we were in Dublin, Connor was literally looking for other like places to work. Like he was just like, "Wonder how much it would cost to move here." I'm like, "Yeah, no. if I go to Dublin, like all I might find my family." Yeah, I mean, like you know, ideally, Chris and I were like, "I'm like, how much would it? How like how easily could you create your own video game company <laughs> here in Ireland and be like I'm not a video game mobile? Like, I'm a great office manager or run HR and know how to handle like an office full of a bunch of creative assholes." <laughs> oh wait. I do. do. Um, but yeah, so huge community in, in uh, Ireland. So if you're listening in Ireland, shout out to you guys and your awesome community of horror people in Ireland. Hell Thank you, Ireland. Yes. Uh, it has been a great, great episode. Uh, I'm sure it's a long one. Thank you for sticking in with us. Uh, next week, we're going to have Jamie uh, on us, and we're going to be discussing us. Oh, I'm excited oh. for this one. So I'm very excited. So next week, we'll be discussing Black History Month. Week after that, we will have Allie with us, uh, who did Black Christmas mm-hmm. for the invitation, and we will be ending off the month with our good friend Tamara, uh, who we had at Royal Rumble. She sells some picture movies, so I can't say what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but as always, good, bad. We're the girls with the mic. See y'all next week. <laughs>